show. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, crmw.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running, on this 17th day of November, 2023. This is the Horn. Head on dot live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go, of course, if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time madcap multimedia extravaganza. That is the Horn chat room in the three in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all time zones in between and the Great Globe Round, and whatever time it happens to be when you're listening to the podcast. If you are listening to the podcast, uh, pretty please, uh, make sure and like it and subscribe to it on a couple of platforms so you'll always know when, even if one of them goes down, you'll always know when the show goes up. And leave a comment for the algorithms, because it really helps aid in uh, the visibility of the program. Please, thank you. But if you're listening live, well, pop on in. And uh, you'll be greeted by the early arrivers. That's Too Much Hutch and Ralph and Squeaky and all capably moderated by Horn Chief Agronomist, Chief Mathematician, and Bud Trimmer Emeritus, Roger in Oregon. Hi, I'm Robin. It's Friday on the front porch. We have reached the end of the broadcast week. A program note, uh, there will be no more in Monday on Monday uh, because that's when... Uh, our friends are hosting Friendsgiving. And since we won't be doing a Thanksgiving dinner here, it's just Annette and me, um, we're going to go and do that uh, as, a, as a family thing with some family. And I'm really looking forward to it, but it necessitates me not being here. So I will ask your kind indulgence and your kind forbearance and your kind forgiveness. But again... No more in Monday, the, uh, what would it be, 18th, the 20th. Yeah, it's the 20th of November. Uh, so that's that's really all there is. Uh, it is Friday on the Front Porch, and if you've never participated in Friday on the Front Porch, there's a button at the top of the page. You click on it, it'll carry you over the river and through the woods to the old holler tree that we sublet from the Keebler Elves, wherein we keep the extraordinary, ordinary roundtable around which we gather every Friday. And... Uh, Hopefully, uh, we'll have a, a good discussion gang this evening. Once again, women's voices welcome. Uh, and uh, it'd be nice to not be the only girl in the room. Let's see. Every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude. And this program is no different, so we say thank you. To our PayPal subscriber or subscribers, 
for the 17th day of the month. That means thanks to uh, Gary in New Mexico, labor man. Thank you so much. And yes, uh, Gary is the only subscriber on the 17th. So uh, if you'd like to jump in, golly Moses, we do need more subscribers. And right, and uh, as of now, the fundraising hole stands at 1,400 bucks with three big badass bills waiting to be attended to. Uh, so that means we are unfunded for, let's see, um, today, yesterday, Tuesday, Monday, and $200 of Friday. So if we could at least, it would be great if we could get caught up with last week and maybe get started on this week. And You get the idea. PayPal buttons at headon.live. So is the Patreon. And uh, uh, the mail, uh, the, the United States Postal Service happily delivers mail to The Horn, 1038 North Eisenhower Drive, PMB 318, Beckley, B-E-C-K-L-E-Y-W-V, 25801. Checks, money orders made payable, please, to Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, Kincaid, K-I-N-C-A-I-D. And uh, we'll go from there. Okay? So, um, where, to, where to begin on this? Well, um, I guess we could start with uh, uh, George Anthony DeVolder Richard M. Nixon Santos as the House Ethics Committee, based on the blistering, um, well, I didn't know they were broken, Randy. I mean, uh, Randy Radar said, please fix the Patreon tiers if you can. Okay, I'll try to get to that over the weekend. Uh, it, it, we, we don't, we, we have a hard time getting people to sign up for 5, 10, and 20. I don't know, but I'll, I'll do what I can. Thanks, Randy. Um, no, uh, after the blistering report issued by the bipartisanly by the uh, House Ethics Committee, well, uh, George Anthony DeVolder, Richard M. Nixon uh, uh, Santos, is deeply upset, basically saying that uh, he'll have a news conference on November the 30th, but now the House Ethics Committee is preparing a motion to expel George Anthony DeVolder, Richard M. Nixon, Santos from their body. And he may be bounced from the House before it takes two thirds, so that is what two hundred and ninety-two ish members. Oh, okay. I didn't realize. I thought you could just put in any number you wanted. Okay, thanks, Randy. Uh, I will try to fix that. But anyway. If the Democrats go along, I'm pretty sure the Republicans will bounce him. They can't bounce him without Democrat help, though. Once again, they need the Democrats to come riding to the rescue. Uh, 
then the question is, will they? Now, the last time they tried to bounce uh, uh, bounce somebody, uh, Jamie Raskin, constitutional law professor, remember, of Maryland, said he was loath to expel someone when there had been no criminal conviction and when the Ethics Committee had not completed its work. Well, the Ethics Committee has completed its work. The question then for Hakeem Jeffries and his uh, Democratic leadership is, do we let the Republicans take the foul, stinking carcass of the albatross out from around their necks that is George Anthony DeVolder, Spiro T. Agnew Santos, or do they make them wear it all the way to November with the Republicans saying, we tried, we really tried, but the Democrats wanted to keep him. It'll be interesting to see. So they come back from Thanksgiving break, which they're already on, on the 28th of November. He has been repeatedly called upon to resign. He has said he wouldn't, but he wouldn't run for re-election. Well, he's going to have another—he's going to have another opportunity to walk off the plank instead of being forced. Uh, the. Uh, chair of the Ethics Committee is a Republican, uh, namely uh, uh, Michael Guest of Mississippi. The ranking member is Susan Wilde of Pennsylvania. Guest said, uh, the evidence is more than sufficient to warrant punishment, and the most appropriate punishment is expulsion. The last expulsion motion uh, was 179 in favor, 213 against. I, I don't know. Uh, well, I wonder if it'll change. Uh, Emilio says, don't you mean George Anthony DeVolder Persephone Hofstetter Santos? He got a Nobel Prize in kickboxing, if I recall. The same, the very same, Emilio. And uh, George Anthony DeVolder Spiro T. Agnew Santos said, My year from hell. No, oh, baby. There was some other good news today. The UAW ratified its deal with General Motors, and that labor action is over. And Stellantis, in short order, voted to approve their agreement. That's Dodge, Ram, Jeep, Fiat, etc., Chrysler. Uh, Ford's contract is headed toward ratification. This is a big win. It's a big win for Sean Fain, the president of the UAW, every member of the United Auto Workers, 
and signals a resurgence and a renewed vigor in the labor movement. Um, Starbucks is presently being rocked by a big strike. And uh, that's that's good things for America, unions having built the middle class and all. So I like to have a little good news. Then again, there's the bad news. Apparently the flu is off and running. Not as early as last year, but still early. There's uh, new flu data out with high activity in, huh, well, very high activity in Louisiana Stan. High activity in Alabama, Florida Stan, Georgia Stan, Mississippi Stan, New Mexico and South Carolina Stan. Earlier this month, it was uh, the, the flu was declared to be an epidemic in Puerto Rico. So poor states, lots of flu. I wonder if maybe poverty and the lack of access to things like vaccines might play a role in it. You see, everywhere you go, you see the signs, get your free flu vaccine. I see it at CVS, Walgreens, Wally World, Kroger's. And there's an asterisk. If you, It's free if you've got insurance, which means it's not free because, you know, it's insurance. So the insurance is paying for it. Um, you know, Tonstoppel, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. It's um, the other other places where numbers are rising. Moderate activity: New York City, Arkansas, California, Maryland, New Jersey, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Texas. Stan and Nor- I should have said North Carolina. Stan. But there's no getting around the fact that it is at its worst in the Confederacy. Uh, so far this fall, the CDC says there's been some 780,000 uh, cases of flu, at least 8,000 hospitalizations, and 490 people have died from flu-related deaths. At least one of those was a child. So every evening I close the program saying, get your flu vaccine. It still seems like a pretty darn good idea. Oh, and, you know, we we goon on things like super beets and uh, paleo chocolate chicken bone nutritional beverages and whatnot. None of them will ever be an adequate replacement for Alabama sex clams, but never mind. I've seen a lot of ads lately. Uh, especially like when I'm watching my Filthy Morning Habit, for vitamins from a company called Balance of Nature, uh, with real-life, no-kidding, Balance of Nature users, ha! 
uh, talking about just how much better their life is now that they take balance of nature. Vitamins. Well, lo and behold, it turns out that uh, in federal court, a judge has ordered balance of nature to stop producing and stop selling its supplements this week. That follows the Food and Drug Administration accusing two companies, they're based in Utah, with breaking the law regarding the claims one may make about one's supplements. According to the FDA, Balance of Nature, Evig, EVIG, LLC, and the CEO, Lex Howard, Oh, beware of any beware of any CEO named Lex. Sounds like Lex Howard's last name might be Luthor. I don't know, but the feds had been warning a CEO Lex for literally years for playing way too fast and loose with the claims that they could make about their vitamins uh, curing or preventing disease processes. And it gets worse because the company that manufactures them, it turns out, stands accused of not even making sure that the balance of nature stuff even had in them what they claimed they had in them. Michael Rogers, uh, the acting associate commissioner for regulatory affairs at the FDA, in a news release that came out yesterday, said, oh, we previously warned EVIG LLC and Premium Production LLC, but they've demonstrated repeated violations of manufacturing requirements, and the public cannot have confidence that their products are what they purport to be. <laughs> Snake oil. So the companies did the smart thing and entered into a consent decree and said, no, really, no kidding. They'll get right on it and make sure that balance of nature doesn't claim it can do anything. Over on the balance of nature website, you could see videos, testimonial videos. For instance, the one person who says, uh, Well, for myself, the two years I've been on it, I don't even think I've had a cold. Never mind the flu. I wonder if it's got any aardvark antifungal in it. And according to FDA attorneys, Evig LLC and Lex Howard have not demonstrated that they've conducted any complaint investigations, you know, at all whatsoever. And turns out that the ingredients, such as they are, of balance of nature, uh, well, they don't come from Utah. They come instead from suppliers that are in Illinois and Wisconsin and California and India. Following the inspection, Defendant Premium informed FDA that it uses 
organoleptic characteristics, i.e. smell, as the specification to identify the powdered, powdered ingredients that comprise the three Balance of Nature products. They're testing by smell. Well, then. Well, does, it smell, does it smell like broccoli? I guess, or cabbage. I mean, maybe broccolini, possibly Brussels sprouts. Of course, it's a hustle, and like any hustle, you you know where you take your hustle when you got a hustle to take somewhere. Sure, you take it to right-wing radio. A lot of these miracle cure claims were made on places like the Joe Piscopo Show. I didn't even know. Or Kevin McCullough Radio. And last, but certainly not least, America First with Sebastian Gorka. Uh, what's that, Brother Deacon Asa? Uh, just another example of big government putting their jackboots on the, the necks of hard-working Merkins and cutting the oxygen off of capitalism. Shameful! I know, isn't it just? They done took it away. The Biden administration's done took it away. Your incandescent light bulbs and your and your gas stoves, and they want you to live in a 15-minute city. And now they've taken your vitamins. They're killing us. They're killing us. They're going to turn us all into communists. Hmm. Actually, I mean, w- w- wait, wasn't it was it Barack Obama who took away the incandescent light bulbs? It gets it gets a little confusing after a while. Oh, and uh, as we move into the program, uh, I have two challenges on the table. One from our uh, anon- kind anonymous internet friend, and Ralphs is putting up a fifty dollar challenge on the news that Rosalind Carter, dear sweet Rosalind Carter. Probably the most dignified first lady uh, this country has had in the last 50 years. Without a doubt, the most dignified first lady. Uh, She entered in-home hospice care, according to news released today. May her time be peaceful. Thank you for the challenge, Ralph. So there's $70 in challenges out there. And that could get us down to... Uh, um, that could get us down to uh, 1260 If uh, those two challenges were met. Thank you both for making them so very kindly. <laughs> Emilio, come on, Robin! We firmly and genuinely believe our vitamin pills can cure cancer and stop the flu and the Rona and RSV. Because they have a sincerely held religious belief that 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 could be a thing.
And the best part about Balance of Nature is it was a subscription plan. Crap was expensive to begin with, but when you signed up for it, you weren't just buying a bottle of vitamins, you were subscribing to have them hit your card every blessed month. Complaints have been filed against Balance of Nature by the Council of Better Business Bureaus, a nonprofit called Truth in Advertising, and the FDA said our hands were tied. Defendants have a long history of failing to comply with the act. FDA has documented a pattern of continued violative conduct during multiple inspections of defendants' establishment and have repeatedly warned defendants that such conduct could lead to enforcement action. But they couldn't hear because they were rendered deaf by the sound of all of that money falling on them. Enough money that they could afford to run ads on major network morning drive news programs. Right. Ralph says, and the vitamins can cure rabies and Ebola. Add a little cinnamon and they'll cure. I just asked uh, Pastor Brother Minister, former Arkansas governor, former presidential candidate, uh, Mike Huxterby. By the way, whose daughter continues to be quite possibly the most corrupt individual ever to occupy the governor's office of Arkansas, and that's damn sure saying something. Uh, after Podium Gate and the $19,000 podium no one could find, uh, Jethreen Bodine, it turns out, spent 13000 Arkansas taxpayer dollars for a kickoff party to begin the Arkansas Razorbacks 2023 football season. They held it at the governor's mansion on September the 1st. It was an undefeated party. That didn't work out so well, did it? Sorry, Haley. And uh, <laughs> the undefeated party that cost $13,000 was invitation only. No word on whether the hat was passed for uh, Sarah's political camp, uh, uh, war chest. But the undefeated party was, uh, well, let's put it this way. The season's not over, but. Razorbacks are not going bowling. They stand at th- three wins and seven losses. Um, at the undefeated party, head coach Sam Pittman showed up, and there were three mascots in costumes, people walking around in great big feral hog suits, I presume. The uh, University of Arkansas cheerleaders and the dance team showed up, and the, some members of the Marching Razorbacks Band, or whatever they call themselves. And the Governor's Mansion Commission dropped at least $13,081.36 on the party. The gingham-checked tablecloths alone 
were $1,429.22. $4,500 went to food and beverage distributor Ben E. Keith. There were uh, bamboo plates and pom-poms. Almost $800 in flowers and candles and tablescapes. And Wow. <laughs> they paid the poor DJ 600 bucks. Wow. Labor's always the biggest cost, isn't it? Uh, she's, uh, I, I think Sarah Hustlebuck Sandbags might be a bit of a crook. I mean, when it's so bad that even you, the maggots in your own state are going, what the hell? That would be Podium Gate, by the way. But in the uh, ongoing coverage of Republicans eating their own. Uh, there's been a, a cat fight, table, you know, saucer of milk for table two. Um, there's been a cat fight between Laura Loomy, Lo- Looney, Loomer, and Jenna Ellis. She apparently still follows some maggot. Uh, accounts over on that what used to be Twitter and uh, it all developed this way some maggot uh, tweeted at Nitwit Jr. saying that Nitwit's daddy gave a shout-out to Laura Loomer and said she should be press secretary, Laura, uh, if Julius Geezer gets back into the White House. Junior then said, well, that's a good idea, but she should only be like an interim uh, uh, press secretary. Which then occasioned Jenna Ellis to snark, wow, personnel picks will be better this time. And Laura Loomy, sharpening her claws, said, Jenna Ellis, you're such a waste of space that your own husband divorced you after only two months of marriage. I don't think the woman who was more loyal to a fast food drive through than to Donald Trump has any right to talk about personnel decisions. And then this, and this is when you know it's serious. Jenna Ellis is going to hell, and she won't be saved as much as she likes to pretend she will be as a Christian. She's a fake Christian. Disloyal harlots go to hell, Jenna. Wow, 
Jenna was not going to take that lying down. Don Jr.'s pick for press secretary is claiming I'm a disloyal harlot and going to hell. No mention, though, Junior's divorce, his girlfriend's divorce from Gavin Newsom, or the best Christian ever screwing a porn star while his third wife was pregnant. Apparently, true Christianity is not based on belief in Christ as Lord, but rather belief in Donald Trump as Savior, King, and next president. Repent and trust the 27D chess guys. Personnel picks will be better this time. And then said the very idea that anyone might think Laura Loomer uh, it could be a member of a, uh, of a White House staff is, quote, in her words, absurdly insane. <sighs> Come on, let's you and her fight. And the maggots are furious with Jenna Ellis over her over her proffer, her video proffer. Uh, calling her things like scum. Because there's the, the only thing worse than not worshipping Nitwit Nero is turning your back on him. Laura Loomer called her a grifter. Gosh, they're in such disarray. And then, of course, there's Mullah Mike Johnson. Now, remember, he's 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 pure maggot. He loves America. Well, I mean, kind of loves maybe. Heart of America? Now, going back to Balance of Nature, Lou and PA says, uh, Balance of Nature ad- advertisements ran throughout the baseball playoffs. That's a lot of money. I wonder how many, I wonder how many suckers, I mean, new customers they found. So anyway, Mullah Mike... Oh, uh, back last month before he became speaker. Uh, Mullah, Mullah Mike uh, has a podcast with his wife, Kelly, among other things. and He, he goes around and makes appearances in Maggot World. So uh, he showed up to have a conversation with a guy named Jim Garlow on the World Prayer Network. Where he, well, he trotted out his theocratic fascist street cred. Uh, the segment, and it was, it was, it was uh, video recorded, October third. Um, Jim Garlow says, "I want you to tell us more about this time of judgment for America." At which point Mullah Mike said, the culture is so dark and depraved that it almost seems irredeemable. 
Church attendance is declining. One in four young Americans identifies as something other than straight. And then they had their online prayer and he got all teary-eyed, Mullah Mike said and did, and he said, God, we repent for our sins individually and collectively, and we ask that you not give us the judgment that we clearly deserve. I mean, if God, if you decide to strike down all the queers, oh, we pray that you not do that so we can do it. But if you do, we'll understand. Because they're so dark and depraved. Mala Mike has previously said, we as a nation must recognize there's so much to repent for. We're violating his commands. We're inventing new ways to do evil. We have to ask ourselves, how long can his mercy and his grace be held back? Now, this is, of course, a guy who was front and center at the attempt to overturn a legitimate, fair election and overturn constitutional governance in the United States of America to begin with. He says that America is hanging by a thread. You know, if only there weren't all those LGBTQ pluses. And uh, Jim Garlow referred to Mullah Mike as a special brother. And Johnson told Garlow he's been a profound influence on my life and my walk with Christ. And I mean, this isn't just some ordinary chitty chat religious broadcast. No, I mean, they, they, these are the real catch them with a butterfly net types. On Garlow's broadcast, you can hear people blowing the shofar, you know, the ram's horn. And Mullah Mike wants prayer warriors and begs God to withhold the wrath of our enemies here on the earth and restrain the enemy, the one that prowls around like a roaring lion. You know, if one didn't know better, one could... Well, one does not know better. <sighs> one could almost think that Mullah Mike would like to see something ter terrible happen to everybody who's not Christian and white and cis and heterosexual. 
So look out. I mean, good God. And in fact, uh, on my filthy morning habit, they delved into this a little bit. A new report by Rolling Stone looks into House Speaker Mike Johnson's views on American culture, which he calls, quote, dark and depraved. In an October prayer call just last month with the World Prayer Network, weeks before he became Speaker of the House, Johnson talked about an America facing a civilizational moment. The only question is, is God going to allow our nation to enter a time of judgment for our collective sins, which his mercy and grace have held back for some time? Or is he going to give us one more chance to restore the foundations and return to him? We will not be able to do it without the Lord's help because it, there's so the flesh is and the mistrust and the, the sin and everything is so great here that we this is going to have to bring people to their knees. And I, look, I, I believe God is about to do something. Do you have time to answer the question and say any more about the issue of this could be a time of judgment for America? Well, I mean, I, I don't, I'd, be, I'd say I'd preach for the choir on this, this Zoom call or maybe the honor choir. You all know the, the terrible state that we're in. Um, the faith in our institutions is the slowest it's ever been in the history of our nation. And, you know, why might that be? And, and he might be just the guy, no, 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 no. It's because there's lesbians and homosexuals, and at least no transes yet that we know of, in the Congress. But there's transes in the Biden administration. Oh, God's so mad he could just spit. Um, the, 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 the culture is so dark and, and depraved that it almost seems irredeemable at this point. We, you know, we're, we're, the church attendance in America dropped below 50% for the first time in our history since they began to measure the, uh, the data, uh, 60 years ago. And the, the number of people who do not believe in absolute truth is now above the majority for the first time. So one in three teen girls, uh, contemplated suicide last year. One in four high school students identifies as something other than straight. I love how he uses the dick finger scare quotes for straight. Gee, Mala Mike, are you straight? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We're losing the country. Who's we? Let's begin there, Joe. There's so much. America is irredeemable. It's dark and depraved. Um, mm. Just to let's lift ourselves out of the. Yeah, wait a minute. Arnold says, can this guy just go fuck himself? Some things you don't want to ask for, Arnold. <laughs> you want to see what because you don't trust him, Arnold? <laughs> oh, my God, Arnold. Uh, with a pervert like this, I worry for the chicken's vent hole. <laughs> oh! The subtext. He went on to say, really, what he's talking about here is that we have gay people in America. He said one in four high school students say that they are something other than straight is the way he put it. So he's don't very forget about the that. dick fingers. But also, I just have to say, Joe, he said the faith in our institutions and doubt about absolute truth. This is the man 
who helped to lead the attempted coup against the United States government and overturn the 2020 election. He's very worried about faith in institutions. Willie, he ran the big lie on Capitol Hill. Preach about that, Jimmy Swagger. Right. And then go to your motel room and sort of like faxing around, you know, uh, uh, conspiratorial documents. It is it is the hypocrisy. I I, there's so much hypocrisy to go back to, whether it's Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, whether it's Jimmy Swaggart. There's so much hypocrisy uh, to go to here uh, about a guy, again, trying to undermine our institutions, the guy who's trying, who led in the House of Representatives the attempt to undermine the United States Constitution, an American presidential election, and an attempt to basically end American democracy. And then suddenly, suddenly this great prophet, this Jeremiah of our times, went quietly silent as mobs rushed the I got I got to give Joe a cowbell for the Jeremiah reference. People's house where he was and battered and abused police officers with American flags that our soldiers, sailors, Marines and airmen took into battle over 200 years to defend this country. The hypocrisy, the hypocrisy <laughs> in the words of. I think it was Homer Simpson when somebody accidentally threw communion water in his eyes. It burns. It burns. There's so much hypocrisy here. That's part one. Part two is I just have to go back to the question I asked yesterday. I'm serious. Why do Republicans hate America so much? I, I, I'm an evangelical. I believe whether people think it's crazy or not. I believe, mm-hmm. you know. What the gospels say. Right. I believe what the Sermon on the Mount says. I believe in Jesus. We're all sinners. We're all fallen, right? Yeah. But I'm very optimistic about America's future because I see the good in people. I see the good in this country. It's interesting. He's he's like trying to dig st- statistics about I don't know drag queen shows or something. Yeah. What I see is that uh, not so long ago. Uh, teenage pregnancy at an all-time low in America. That's something that we always heard about, you know, the Southern Baptist Church growing up. Child poverty over the past year mm-hmm. at, at like a 50, 60-year low. Like our economy doing well, a lot of things going in the right direction. Uh, but uh, I've got to say, if he's worried about pews emptying out, talk to young people, and so many will... I know, Arnold, I know. Arnold said, holy crap, Joe Scarborough on the right side of history. You know what else they did today? I know, I know, Arnold. Uh, it, it was kind of a miracle. They also He, he also talked about Palestinians as, as, as though they were real live, no kidding human beings who maybe ought not just be killed for being alive and living in Gaza. Stunning, huh? Tell you, and Russell Moore's talked about this with Christianity Today. They're emptying out because they don't want to go to a church where preachers worship Donald Trump instead of Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
Yeah. So he he represents the 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 fullness of the emergence of the the Christian nationalism that sees America through uh, a very different gospel than the one that the man they profess to follow, uh, Jesus, uh, preached. In fact, uh, as reported uh, a few about a month or so ago, where you have now evangelicals thinking that, uh, well, we can't follow the, the teachings of Jesus because they're too woke. <laughs> right. Right. What, Jesus, what about Jesus becomes woke for guys like him and weak, woke and, and weak. And Don Jr. and other people around Trump said, oh, the whole thing about turning the other cheek. That's too weak. That's too weak. That doesn't work anymore. So Haven't they banned the Bible in some districts in Texas. They, they yes. You, when you start banning the Bible and things mm -hmm. like that, when you start when you start uh, reimagining the, the, the teachings of Christ in your image, or in the image of Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Um, you have a problem. The, by, by the, the, the problem Michael, with the just, speaker, yeah. with it from where I'm sitting, it, it harkens me back to the concerns that people had about Catholics in this country for a long, long time, getting them close to power, and, and whether you know with the, the, their papist tendencies would would be right. the thing that animates the. Oh, Michael Steele! Michael Steele! Michael Steele! If you could only be a fly on the wall. When uh, Mullah Mike thinks there's nobody listening, I'm pretty sure he still talks about the Catholics, just as you're describing. Whore Babylon! Mary worshippers! I mean, that's still the Southern Baptist way. Government. What's this? What What is this? I would say to the speaker, could you, before you open your mouth the next time, could you go and read what the founder said about religion number one in this country? Uh, well, that just means he'd go and read, uh, what's his name, Wall Builders, what's it, Bar David Barton. And David Barton has some absolutely fantastic lies about what good Christians the founders and framers were. Pure fantasy. By the time David Barton gets done with him, Thomas Paine is an upright Methodist, for God's sakes, probably. As they were forming it. But number two, go read their stories right. and understand what kind of men they were. They weren't the kind of Christians that you think they were, that you make them out to be. Many of them, they were deists. Some were atheists. And yet they created this thing that you're now trying to reimagine in a way that even they tried very hard to avoid. Yeah. And, and so I think... It, to your point about the pews and the churches, the fact is no one, whether you are 30 years old or 90 years old, want to hear that from a political leader. Well, you know, well, they, that, they, that's they, my next question for you. What is what percentage of the of Americans is, is this appeal to? I mean, a large percentage of the Republican Party now? Yeah, about a third. About a third. Evangelicals. But it turns but off. does it? I mean, Ron DeSantis and that's seems to give a vast majority. See, that's... that's it turns uh, off. And this is why else. they keep yeah. losing elections, because right. they're focused on their third of their party, their 40% of their party, which makes up about 20% of the electorate. And Ron DeSantis ran a campaign based on the idea that a lot of Americans were up in arms about exactly the kind of thing that the speaker has just been speaking about. And where is he, even in the Republican primary polls, falling like a stone? Wokeism doesn't it, work. It doesn't work. Nobody mm, cares about work. it that much. They don't want it in there. I think no, it, no. that's such a smart point, that people don't want 
it's not what America was founded on. But, but can I just say that? Because we need to pull back and see that. So you have this, right. this supercharged Christian nationalism saying America is the next Sodom and Gomorrah. Say dominionism, Joe. Please, just say dominionism. Maybe on national cable TV, say Seven Mountains Mandate, because Mullah Mike is a Seven Mountains Mandate kind of guy. And that the government's turned its back on God when the very guy who's done it has turned his back on the Constitution, right. the truth, and God uh, by leading the big lie. That's in the legislative branch. But we have to talk about the Supreme Court. I mean, Leonard Leo is an extremist. And, and, and Wow. Joe's sounding woke this, it was sounding woke this morning, wasn't he? And he's an extremist in his views about the Constitution mm -hmm. and uh, Catholicism. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an extreme view of Catholicism uh, that has put extremists on the court uh, that has led to the overturn. I mean, nobody. Yeah, but hold on, Joe. Extreme. They're, they're, he has had extremists put on the court. And they're all Catholics. B -b 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 Brat is Catholic. Amy Covid Barrett is Catholic and a handmaid and a people of praise. Uh, Clarence Pubes on the Coke can, Fappy Thomas, the, the human timeshare, maybe as weird as fat dead Tony Scalia was. You know, the hair shirts and the barbed wire around the thigh and yeah. And I think Neil Gorsuch started out Episcopalian, but found his true home in the extreme wing of Holy Mother Church. And, well, then there's Sammy Bad Breath Alito. And, and, and a lot of them are probably still pissed that they're not doing the Mass in Latin that no one can understand. Stephen New York says, actual U.S. religious history on MSNBC? I can hardly believe what I'm hearing with all these historical facts. This is getting perilously close to them saying the U.S. is not a Christian nation. Yeah, next thing you know, Steve, they'll be trotting out the tri Treaty of Tripoli, for God's sakes. The United States is no in no ways founded upon the Christian religion. Treaties that are ratified have, the for have constitutional force and effect talks about this enough, but we are talking about this happening in the House. This is the Supreme Court. I mean, is every appointee Catholic there on, on the Republican side? I think, much. I think one may have converted to becoming an Episcopalian, a good waspy Episcopalian. That might be Gorsuch. I don't know. But I think it was the other Catholics, way around. But... They all have uh, a, a view of, of, of abortion and, and, and other issues uh, that have led them to overturn against all sort of a, a, a public opinion polls, and I would say against pretty good, strong 50-year precedent, to overturn the right to abortion. Well, again, it's, it's, it's the reimagination of judicial constitutional principles in a religious... Emphasis on the word imagination. Uh, 
uh, way. And, and so that's the connection that, that sort of draws these, these individuals to this space. Now is their hour, their time to, to but, but do is, these things. But is it? Look at what has happened since Roe v. Wade in the last year. State after state has reaffirmed the right to abortion. And there are now, there's no less abortions now in the United States than there were before. Right. But it's not state after state, ma'am. Uh, this is Elizabeth Bumiller, the assistant managing editor at the New York Times. The right to abortion has not been reaffirmed in Alabama nor in Mississippi Stan, nor Louisiana Stan, nor Tennessee Stan, nor South Carolina Stan, nor North Carolina Stan. And so every woman capable of childbearing in those states and many others, Idaho Stan, Missouri Stan, Oklahoma stand, Texas stand. I mean, Jesus Christ, they're putting up barbed wire barriers at the Texas-New Mexico state line and declaring that people cannot travel freely between the states in just ginormous violation of the Constitution itself. This would be another case of uh, nullification. We need another Sherman. Burn some sense into him. That was supposed to have been sorted out, you know, 158 years ago. But here we are. I mean, I, I, I get, I get Miss Bue Miller's point, but state after state after state is nowhere near 50. Hell, it's not even 25. Is it? So they had their moment, but, the, you know, the people have spoken, I would say. Well, but that's, yeah. that's the ultimate check. Yeah. Except for the Supreme Court will dominate American political life and life and our bedroom lives for the next 30 or 40 well, years it, because they are right. young and they will be there for a long time. I mean, it seems to me that this in a way is... Fappy and Sammy ain't that young. One of the things that always strikes people from the... Old balls and strikes is not a spring chicken outside looking at American elections is how you cannot win an American election unless you profess your faith, particularly your Christian faith. So isn't this just a logical extension of that? Wasn't this inevitably going to happen that mm. if you have to say, I am a Christian and I believe in God and Jesus in order to be elected in this country, how does that... Well, Biden does. Kind of Christian he's not a Leonard Leo. But, he's yeah, not I mean, a Leonard Ca Leo Catholic, but Biden professes his faith. Yeah, yeah. And, but he doesn't and, wear and he his doesn't, faith. But he doesn't talk about it all the time. Yeah, he doesn't he wear quiet, his faith yeah. as a political shield. He doesn't, right? There isn't a lot of room in American political life for the kind of atheism... Shield my left hind foot. He doesn't wield his political faith as a political cudgel. And that's the problem here. Arnold just said a moment ago... Why can't we get religion out of politics? I don't care if they worship a toilet bowl, but can they do it on their own time? No, because they are true believers, Arnold. They're, they're the living embodiment of, of, of the old uh, Jefferson Starship song. If only you'd believe like I believe, baby, we'd get by. If only you'd believe in miracles, so would I. I, I, I. 
Sorry, DJ Brain. But that's the problem. It's the problem with every kind of fundamentalist theocrat. It matters not the flavor. They are not happy unless they are compelling everyone to believe as they do. Whether it be a a, a, a murdered Palestinian day laborer and semi-literate itinerant rabbi who wore a dress every day of their life, who didn't preach anything half a, a tenth as hateful as what his followers do, or whether it be a Buddha, Buddha seated under a banyan tree, or an old dude in a cave somewhere, all of whose original messages, by the way, get completely thrown to the wayside in the in in, in the. Uh, uh, political expediency of the quest for power. Nietzsche is somewhat instructive on all of this, but we're not going to go there. By the way, the Christians, uh, I, I, I screenshotted it just because, well, sometimes you have to do that. You might recall that back in the late spring, early summer, uh, the maggots, who are, of course, Christians, this is not prayer meeting Wednesday, even though we missed prayer meeting Wednesday, I swear, I promise it's not. Uh, But back in late spring, early summer, uh, they were conniptionizing over target grooming the poor little children with the queer stuff. And the tucking swimsuit. Well, now they're mad at Target for Santa Claus. In particular, they are angry at Target for a little Christmas decoration of a black Santa seated in a wheelchair. I wish I was kidding. I don't make this crap up. And they're mad because there's a nutcracker whose headgear, gasp, has a rainbow on it because the Homer sectionals can't celebrate Christmas and Tchaikovsky's, Tchaikovsky's ballet is a beautiful reminder of the glory and the beauty and the wonderfulness of the season. For the love of Christ, don't tell them that Tchaikovsky was gay, 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 gay. I don't care about the whole Santa thing, but the Transformer flag and rainbow is... Absolutely offensive to the Christian faithful. Target, you are despicable and demonic. This is the opposite of the meaning of Christmas. One wonders if that's Megyn Kelly's sock puppet account, because after all, Megyn Kelly told us, of course Santa Claus is white. Ah, shit, it's not even Thanksgiving, and here we are. The Christmas holiday comes from the famous Christian ballet, the Nutcracker, 
We don't want these ugly nutcrackers who are pushing your sexual agenda. Wheelchair Santas can't do the job. Check out the Santa Claus movie to see the physical requirements. I, I, I just so desperately wish that was someone being so, uh, too snarky and cute by half and uh, and absolute. But no, that no, it's real. Check out the because the Santa Claus movie with Tim Allen is a documentary, right? It's gonna be a long way to December twenty fifth, y'all. I mean, wheelchair Santas can't do the job. What, Edith? Huh? I mean, I thought the elves were doing all the work anyway, right? Yeah, they can't keep up with the reindeer games. That's what it is. (sighs) See, this is just because we don't understand how depraved and dark and depraved America is. I wonder if Mullah Mike let let class out early to go home for Thanksgiving because he knew this was coming. And hoped maybe it would die down by the time they get back after recess. And nobody would ask him about dark and depraved America. And, well, who is it? Who is it, Mullah Mike? Tell us about those dark, depraved people. Do the, do the, are the depraved people all dark? Or are there dark people who aren't depraved? I mean, we need to sort this shit out. As to waspy Episcopalian, Stephen New York says, if anything were ever redundant, it's this. So here we are at the, uh, well, that's the filler lobster, actually. A little ways into the second hour of the program. Might be a good idea to head over the river and through the woods to the old holler tree, we sublet from the Keebler Elves and check in around the Extraordinary Ordinary Round Table. Um, I get the. Uh, what's that? Uh, what's that, Matt? Uh, Matt says, Mullah Mike. He really seems to have a thing with people being on their knees. <sighs> Something makes me think that maybe he spent some time on his knees too, Matt. Yeah, you know, you know how it goes. Okay, let me get this. Hopefully, we're connected in. Uh, 
And uh, hey, Roger. Hello. Okay, I've got you all the way into the board. I just yeah. How's the week been? Anything fermenting? Uh, no, but uh, the, this Saturday is our last uh, meeting of the, the Master Food Preservers training class. And the group I've been mentoring is uh, presenting a 10-minute lecture on how to make kombucha tomorrow. Well, that sounds fun. We uh, did a Zoom meeting last night for them to practice their presentation, so it should all be good. They've even got some they made up, so everybody's going to get a sample of it tomorrow. Uh, do, you, do you have any personal feeling or opinion on kombucha? I don't much care for it. I've never made it, but I've had it several times. And uh, <clears throat> if I'm going to drink something slightly alcoholic, give me a beer. Shit, I, you know. Yeah, right. I, I, I realize there's all kinds of probiotics and all that good stuff, but uh, I I don't worry about probiotics. I eat a little bit of fresh sauerkraut on occasion, and uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I'm not into that healthful food wave that a whole lot of people are on. Yeah, I, I mean, I say, good Lord, it's in... Kombucha is in the convenience stores now. Here. Oh, Even yeah. Here. here. Well, you got to be careful. And it just, it, it holds no interest for me. They're, they're selling a lot of stuff. They're calling kombucha, but um, because of the alcohol content, there's a lot of stuff that's being sold as kombucha, but it sort of is, but it, it isn't nearly the same as what you make yourself. But, you know, that's like a lot of things. I mean, the sauerkraut you buy in a store isn't like the sauerkraut you make yourself. And, oh, no, not by a long uh, shot. By the way, you I don't know if he's told you, but you have a new convert, Roger. Who? Brother Deacon what? Asa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've uh, shared some uh, time back and forth uh, in Skype chat, passing off information and discussions and tips and tricks and that kind of stuff. Well, he showed me a couple of pictures, and it looks like he followed he, he followed your teaching to the to the letter and got something something really good out of it. Well, if you if you do it right, it comes out right. There, there's no uh, no two ways about it. And, and sauerkraut is one of the easiest things in the world to do. It's super easy. One of these days, I'll have to take a picture of one of my sauerkraut pounders that I've I've been making uh, for filling up a, a quart jar or a half gallon. You know, I, I make I turn them on the lathe and, and <clears throat> I'm making them out of uh, well, I've got some out of madrone, some out of English walnut, uh, some out of oak. Uh, right now, I'm working on a stash of uh, hazelnut. Uh, wood that I'm using. Oh, that sounds nice. Just something fun to do. And then some of the chips I save for using in the smoker, and and some of them I'm just putting out in the garden as mulch. So. Oh, I'd be curious if you, if you, have you, have you smoked anything with hazelnut? Not yet. 
I would like to hear the results of that. I, I saved some of the oak chips and used them. It was okay. But uh, I've I made some hazelnuts, but the chips fell on the floor mixed with the uh, English walnut. So I'm not going to save those. And then it rained. And where my lathe is, the the moisture on the ground kind of comes through. And, and so I've got a pile of wet wood chips right now, which I'll scoop up one of these days. And I don't know, put them probably put them in with the, the artichokes where I grew the beans this year and <clears throat> spread them out there and let the winter rains melt them into the ground a little bit. But, you know, it's just the, the usual getting into winter here and uh, it's getting rainy and cooling down and uh, going into the slow-mos. But my uh, daughter-in-law has been egging me for a while to take the oldest grandchild fishing. So I went down to the, the local park where they stock the canoe way and talked to an old grandpa age guy there about all the little goodies. They're having a free fishing day on the Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving. So I don't need to have a license to take the grandkid fishing. So I'll do that, and I've been here five years now, so now I start getting a senior discount. So next year I'll buy a fishing license. It costs $29 for the year instead of 55 And uh, I got all my fishing gear out and sorted around and washed the tackle boxes and got all the rods down today and polished up the furls and put a little lubrication on them, made sure they still fit together, and took all the spools from my Mitchell reels and tore them apart and greased them all up and took the reels apart and greased them all up and I'm getting ready to do some fishing. That sounds fun. You gonna fi- are you fishing for anything in particular or just whatever hits the hook? Oh trout. They stock rainbow trout, catchable size. Oh okay, okay. In, in this uh canoe way. So I mean they're hatchery fish they won't be quite as good as wild caught and and all that but um it's just you know sit on the well i'll probably be using power bait or something i don't know i might take the fly rod with me and see if i can't get any of them to come up to the surface and catch a a dry fly oh i'm I'm, I'm sure i'm sure the grandbaby would love watching you watching you whip that dry fly yeah but it's been so long i I want to do it when hardly anybody's there, just in case I don't remember how to do it. But I got a feeling it's like riding a bicycle. You know, it's just a matter of getting back in the swing and doing it. And the the canal area there, uh, the canoe way, um, it's a it's an old bend of the river that sort of created an island at one time, and and then the river took a new path and they uh, dredged it out. No, well, not really dredged it out, but they uh, opened it back up to the river. So it's got a little bit of a flow through, but not much. So it's a it's a really nice place to canoe in the summer. But you know, it's it's they stock it and, uh, with catchable fish. So why not fish them out? Oh, rainbow trout is so good. Oh yeah. 
And then we try to go on some camping trips during the summer. Once I get the, the kid doing a little bit of fishing and we'll go up to Fall River or some other places and I'll let the, the youngsters go off and hike all over the place and I'll walk from the campsite down to the creek and do a little fishing. And if I catch something, we'll have a taste of fish. And if I don't, well, I enjoyed a lot watching the river flow and the birds fly around and listening to the creek. Which is more what fishing's about, anyhow. Well, you know, you know, you know the old uh, the old saying: "Give a man a fish, and you've fed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, and you've given him a reason to sit by the river bank and drink beer for the rest of his life." That's true. That's true. But don't ever buy him a boat. Well, a boat's a hole in the hole in the water you pour money into, isn't it? That's true. Very true. I've never owned one and don't plan to. But I love it when I have a friend that has one that goes out in the ocean and goes salmon fishing or rock fishing in the ocean. And I'm more than happy to bring 10 gallons of gas down and go out fishing for the day. Without the, with, without the obvious travails of ownership. Right. You know, it was parked in his driveway more than it was in the water because... He was always putting in a new alternator or fixing some wiring or something of that sort. But his usual thing was bring five gallons of gas. Well, I always brought 10 gallons of gas and some beer. I always got invited to come along. You, 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 you are, you are mickle wise. Yeah. Roger. Hell of a lot cheaper than me owning it. True, true. Or me having to pay for the usual, uh, you know, charter, you know, go down and, well, when I first started doing it, it was like $30 for a half day, and then it got to be $60 for a half day. I have no idea what it is now. A lot of the things I'm seeing is $150, $200 for a half day. Brutal. That's too rich, too rich for my blood. Here, here. I'll stay on dry land for that kind of money. Well, I mean, even wild-caught salmon in the store is, you know, $10, $12 a pound. But at least when you go down to the fish market and you spend $25, $35, $40 for fish for, you know, a family dinner, at least you know you got fish. You spend money like that to go out on a boat, you don't know whether you're coming home with fish or not. So Absolutely. Your, your, your log- that's geometric logic. Well, when I was doing it kind of a regular basis, I did go out on some salmon boats. I mean, you know, I got tired of coming home with nothing. But then if you went out in the afternoon, you went rock fishing. Well, we could always come home with, you know, six, eight, ten rockfish. That wasn't a problem. And then the last few times I went rock fishing on a charter, we were getting skunked on rockfish. Well, screw it. I'm not going anymore because I'm, I'm a meat fisherman. Getting, I like to eat what I catch. Oh, without a doubt, and fresh as always. I was, in fact, uh, God, I was looking at, I was looking at salmon in the uh, meat case at the grocery store just yesterday. This was Atlantic salmon, though. So, well, I don't know the extent. Eats, yeah, I don't know the extent to like which the, I don't like the farm stuff, though. It, it's just. 
it's a white flesh that they they dye pink to put it in the, in the case. Yeah. Now this this very, this is very clearly marked wild caught Atlantic salmon. Ah well, okay. Is there a big difference between the Atlantic and the Pacific? Oh, yeah, there is, but they're both fish. You know, they taste like fish. The, the, yeah. the uh, Pacific, to me, has a different, slightly different flavor. About the same color. You know, my my exposure to uh, salmon growing up was I, I don't think I ever actually saw like a a, a, a you know a piece of grilled salmon until maybe adulthood. Mine was all it, it was always a matter of canned salmon and Brandy Radar just mentioned it. Uh, canned salmon uh, in my made into salmon cakes, which are were darn good and it's it's much revered uh, hillbilly food. That and uh, Jack what is it Jack mackerel. That you get canned? Well, about the only canned fish I've ever had is uh, tuna or albacore. Oh, no, we'd get canned. My, my mom would open a can of salmon, uh, mince up an onion, and uh, beat a couple of eggs and throw it in there with it, and then add in some breadcrumbs and work it all together and salt and pepper and patty it out and fry them in the skillet. Those are delicious. Because I've I've always just had the you know ocean or stream caught, and uh, as fillets or steaks. Oh, yeah. I get you're probably not familiar with salmon steaks. Uh, no, I am. I am. I'm, I've oh, seen okay. it. Yeah. In or fact, fillet I've, is cut one way and steaks are cut the other way. Right. Um, and I've done I've done them on the grill, and they're good. Annette loves salmon. Oh, yeah. She just loves salmon. Yeah. So it's always fun when I can get a whole plank and and I love to, I love to smoke it. And, well, we've we've had that conversation. Well, I'll tell you what, and it's this is going to sound really strange, and thank goodness Tracy isn't here. Uh, <clears throat> if you take a salmon fillet and put mayonnaise on it, and then bake it in the oven, and then pop it up underneath the grill. Right when it's done to to give a good hot heat to the the upper surface mm-hmm. and serve it up, it's some of the best tasted fish you'll ever eat. Oh, I bet it is. And it it doesn't taste like mayonnaise at all. I mean the that mayonnaise flavor is totally gone, but it gives it a really nice oily uh, moist uh, surface. Yeah, that's that's what different topic, but that's what I do with my grilled cheeses. I, instead of smearing the outside of the bread with butter, mayonnaise. Yeah. Uh, Emilio says Atlantic fish taste snobby, and Pacific fish taste like cilantro. Well, thank you for clearing that up for us, Emilio. Uh, and by the way, uh, now that we are into the front porch portion of the program, a reminder: there's seventy dollars worth of challenges on the table. Bill's breathing down my neck, and, uh, well, if you'd like to see five turn into ten or ten into twenty or twenty into whatever, uh, there's $70 worth of that out there, and that would get us from our present uh, state of 1400 down to uh, 1260 so much helpful. Uh, 
Let's see. Who else is in the room? Uh, Kevin's there. I see Kevin. Hey, Kevin. How we doing? Good. Good, good, good. How about you? Not bad. Just driving home from work. Good day? No, I said, uh, was it was it a good day? Uh, neither rain nor sleet nor snow or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, it's a beautiful day. The last few days have been really uh, warm up here, like in the sixties. So, but that's going to end tonight. I, I was going to say, I have a feeling that's coming to a close. It's it's raining steadily outside, even even now. I can hear it. It's uh, a good thing I brought a hundred. I bought hundred fifty gallons of heating oil. At 375 a gallon, and that uh, gives me like seven eighths of a tank, almost a full tank. How 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 long will oh, that gas carry? Gas is you? coming down. I, um, that'll get me into January, well into January, I think. Maybe a little longer. I don't know. Depends, but how cold it gets. You know, we had a good winter last year as far as cold. It was it, it wasn't like we didn't have any super cold spell yeah no no snow apocalypse this is and even the cold you know you can always dress and you know get warm so well darn i was just about uh, 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 john in central pa just uh, left i was about to invite him into the conversation um steve are you there I see you're muted. Yes, I am. And how? Hello. Yeah, how are you? Pretty good. We, we had a fairly good day today. It's going to start raining again tonight, overnight into tomorrow. But uh, guess I guess they've been really, uh, really getting a lot of thunder showers on the coast, uh, coast of California, but nothing here. Wow. Uh, sorry, life, I got life, just, life just harvested some more green tomatoes. Uh, the crop has been pretty well cleaned up, so I'm going to make some fried green tomatoes sometime this weekend. Oh, yum. Do you skillet fry them or deep fry them? Skillet fry. Uh, uh, Caught them with a little bit of butter. Soak them in buttermilk briefly. Then cut them up and fry them. Yeah, cornmeal and flour and, yeah. Yes. Yes, they're, they're great with some melted cheese and some bacon on a, uh, yeah, fried green tomato sandwich. You can't beat it. Yeah, we've had, we've done that before. And Steve in New York, how about you? Assuming you're not working. I see gas started to come down. I saw 302 on my way home here today. Oh, nice. Yeah, we're, uh, so, I think we're, we're basically at 339 right now. And yeah. everybody on the West Coast is officially angry at both of us now. <laughs> I know, right? I'm sorry. 
I saw 389 uh, here in Oregon the other day. But now My you're heating oil still up there a little bit. 375 a gallon. Oh, didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, that's fine. That's fine. So, uh, yeah, 375. Uh, do you do both? You said, uh, well, did uh, so. You, your home, your home furnace is strictly heating oil. Yeah, there's my neighborhood's got no natural gas lines. There's like 30 houses in there, and there's no. There's if you want gas, you got to put a propane tank in the ground. So, but uh, yeah, I, I just do oil. Um, I think most of the houses around me are probably oil. Some. Probably propane, some of the newer ones. Um, yeah, a few people got wood stoves, pellet stoves, but well, I'm I'm in the process of rehabbing the kerosene heater and making sure the wick's okay, so that when it gets nasty, I can go out and fill the kerosene jugs. Stuff stinks so bad. Well, we're really happy with our heat pump. Go ahead, Roger. I say we're really happy with our heat pump. It's it's electric, but it sucks the heat out of the air and pipes it into a unit in the ceiling, and it blows out from the ceiling like a forced air furnace. But it's a hell of a lot more uh, economical than using the electric or, or gas or oil. Yeah, as, as long as the temp stays, what, above 36 or something? Oh, above about zero. If it's zero outside, we're still – well, we rarely get to zero. We get down around 20, 25. And at 2025, it's still putting out 70 degree heat inside the house. Wow. Well, geothermal's big too. That's a good. No, I was going to say I've got a, I've got a little portable heat pump back here for the studio, and it warms the place up quite nicely. So I have I have hopes for not being quite so miserable this uh, this winter. Now, it is true that if you have the space and the coin to put it in, what they call a ground source heat pump is very, very good. Uh, You bury a a set of coils 18, 24 inches below the surface of the ground, and you use that as your your heat source, or you dissipate the heat into it in the in the summer, and then you suck the heat out in the winter. But they're also very efficient. They're just a little costly to put in. Yeah, but, uh, you got to have something. You got to do. You got to do some dirt moving. Yeah. Well, that's a, a large part of the cost is <clears throat> digging the trenches to bury your uh, your coil. How into. big are the How big are the coils? I really don't know. Uh, because of where we are here in Eugene, Oregon, uh, just the air, you know, the outside on, it sits on a cement pedestal <clears throat> unit, uh, sits, you know, up against the house and works great. There, there wasn't any need for the 
the ground source. But if you're in a, a real snowy country with, I mean, if you were in North Dakota, I think you'd want to go ground source and, and get down into that 40, 50 degree year round constant temperature a couple of feet down in the dirt. Oh, and there was a report out years ago saying that West Virginia had a lot of untapped geothermal potential that had previ- previously we thought that we didn't because the entire state is undermined. Because nobody owns their mineral rights and you know, out-of-state corporations own the, own, own the subsurface stuff. Well, I thought I would mention uh, Julius Geezer took it on the chin again today. Uh, Justice Arthur Ngoron ruled on the mistrial motion and said that uh, he could not in good conscience let Geezer discuss this, uh, go after a, a, a claim that was utterly without merit. That's, that's, that's judge speak for this, is, this, this motion is full of shit. Is this the uh, fraud case? Yeah, this is the fraud case. It, it's not. It's not over, but they've been hollering mistrial, mistrial. Uh, the clerk and the judge are passing notes and 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 calling us names behind our. You know, total paranoia. It's horrid. But the other part of it is the uh, intermediate court of appeals, and this is disturbing. And Steve might be able. Steve in New York might be able to opine a little bit on this if he's uh, listening. Uh, I know he's in the. I know he's in the chat. But I'm the, here. Yeah, the Intermediate Court of Appeals struck down uh, Judge Justice Ngoron's gag order as touching upon the court's staff, because there's never been any attempt to limit anything that uh, Trump can say about the judge, about the Attorney General. About the deputies, no, that's all fair game. But Justice Ngoron said, you know, you need to, you know, put the gag order in as as touching upon the court staff. And the judge on the Intermediate Court of Appeals said, uh, no, we're going to lift that gag order until this thing's been fully adjudicated. This claim. And so immediately today, uh, he was the uh, uh, Tangerine Tiberius was back out there. Trash. He's fixated on this woman who is Justice Ngoron's clerk. I mean, it, I've not read the decision. I'd have to look at the decision. It could. I, I just. I. I don't know. I wish I could tell you. I, I mean, I. I can get a hold of the decision. Um, But, yeah, I, I mean, I just don't know. Uh, today he called uh, the clerk for Justice Ngoron a, 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 Trump-hating, a, a Trump-hating woman who's politically biased and out of control. He's trying to get some maggot to take her out. I mean, this is stochastic terrorism. You know, pure and simple. Isn't it? Well, if some maggot does take her out, uh, could uh, the judge lock him up? Probably not. 
No. Particularly. That's right. It's not, it's not, this isn't criminal. So pretrial detention doesn't count. Uh, one, mean, one individual, one individual did say that the uh, uh, the judge who lifted the gag order is a uh, uh, is uh, naive about the threats. Uh, Barbara McQuaid, who appears frequently on MSNBC, uh, was none too happy. Can you lay out the concerns about that kind of language and why appellate justice David Friedman believes, or at least for now, that Trump's rights supersede those kinds of concerns? Yeah, I, I think in some ways the judge is wrong here and is being naive about the threats and the risk here. It reminds me of the court order back in 2017 when a judge refused to stop the Unite the Right rally and I think failed to appreciate the real danger that was present. Courts have to balance competing values, you know, the rights of free speech which, with public safety. Um, and, you know, neither one of those things is more important than the other. Both of those things are equally important. And so ordinarily, when there's a restriction on free speech, it's not absolute. It, it has to be narrowly tailored to achieve a compelling governmental interest. And so here it can be a little bit challenging because, on the one hand, we have a candidate for president who has a right to speak out when he believes he's being unfairly targeted. On the other hand... We have also seen threats of, of death against judges and prosecutors and others involved in litigation against Donald Trump. We have seen people, uh, you know, attack the home of Nancy Pelosi with a hammer. We live in a very dangerous time. And so I think courts have to appreciate the very serious threat that, that's there. However, how do you thread that needle? I think that's what will be for both of these appellate courts in deciding how narrow they need to be in gagging someone who's running for president. That's the thing, saying we live in very dangerous times. You know, the NRA says that, too. But the question is, why is it so dangerous now? What, what, what creates this danger? And I think we all know the answer, do we not? Everybody went quiet. Well... This gag, theoretic gag order, isn't anything having to do with him running for president. It's him attempting to interfere in, in the judicial process of a fraud case that realistically has nothing to do with him running for president. So no, and it doesn't, speech, it doesn't, you know, to say don't. You know, don't, don't whip your don't don't whip your uh, mouth walking, knuckle breathing followers into a conniption, a homicidal rage at a court staffer. Uh, how does how does that how does that impact his ability to run for president? You're absolutely right, Roger. It doesn't have anything to do with his freedom of speech, in the fact of saying that the Federal Reserve shouldn't have increase the interest rate or shouldn't it decrease the interest rate or <clears throat> the the Congress was wrong to pass a continuing resolution with no cuts or whatever other bullshit you wanted to put out is simply saying you are being tried in a court of law in New York and you should behave as any other defendant is supposed to behave and go through the, the process. 
but for you to dox the uh, court clerk is is totally bizarre. Now, the other thing that gets to me, he could only be working at trying to set up an appeal here in goading the judge into doing something, and hopefully the judge is smart enough not to do it, to uh, show bias. But the bias is 100% created by Trump. How many people go into a courtroom and badmouth the I mean, when the judge is there's no jury and the judge has to make all these decisions. Right. And I mean, yeah, right. It's dumb. It's poking, stupid. Poking with a cattle prod every day. I mean, you got to be stupid. He should be kissing the judge's ass in the hopes that he doesn't give him a two hundred and fifty million dollar plus settlement. I, most people that go into a corner, yes, sir, no, sir, whatever you say, sir, of course, sir, you know, but not this stupid bastard. Please don't order all my shit to be sold on the courthouse steps, sir, your honor. Yeah. Well, so there's another another thing that has developed, you know, uh, Jonathan Carl has a new book coming out, and this... Um, goes back to something I've said in the past. Everybody's saying, ooh, ooh, this new audio is even more damning, and it is. But we're only finding out about it because Jonathan Carl is releasing a book to make him some bucks. And I can't help wondering whether the FBI knew about this beforehand. I mean, I've got the, I've got the audio right here. Jonathan Carl was interviewing him, and he talked about uh, January sixth and wanting to go up and stand with the, you know, the terrorists. If you look at the real size of that crowd, it was never reported correctly. Mm-hmm. There were it's the biggest crowd I've ever spoken in front of by far. Really, by far. Yeah, and it, it just that far in, and it's like Jesus God, he's still obsessed with crowd size. It's all dick measuring. And my crowd size was really larger than Barack Obama's. They, 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 they rigged the pictures of the of the crowd. And so, you know, you heard him, Jonathan Carlson. It's the largest crowd of ever in the human. Yeah, yeah really. Hey, hey, Robin. Is he talking the January 6th crowd size? Yes, 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 Steve. Well, people ought to blow that right out of the goddamn water because the January 6th crowd size wasn't anything close to the inauguration of his inauguration crowd size, which was smaller than Barack Obama's, but he claimed it was bigger. Right. None, of that, care. None of that matters. He, he, he can't care. even keep track of which crowd he's talking about. Well, in this case, he was talking about January the 6th, and we've got some more of it. But, Steve, jump in. Yeah, I just looked at the order. There's no re- – it's just – it's just um, all, all the orders. It's all – it's handwritten. It's about three lines long. All it says is um, – you know what? Why don't I just read it to you? You could. 
Interim stay of enforcement of two unconstitutional. Oh, wait. This application by appellant is for interim stay of enforcement of two unconstitutional gag orders and imposition of sanctions thereunder pending a full panel determination of Article 78 petition. Article 78 is like a uh, it's an action you bring against a government official. Uh, and it says brought in the nature of mandamus or prohibition. Uh all that the judge wrote, considering the constitutional and statutory rights that issue, an interim stay is granted. So the judge, you know, that's all the judge said. Yeah. Well, and and it is in, it, it is on an interim basis. The problem is, even on an interim basis, it's still dangerous in this particular instance. Uh, Darlene uh, uh, was uh, something similar, saying, I thought it was a temporary lifting of the gag order by these, this appellate judge, Friedman, Till the full appellate court can hear the appeal and make a decision. Friedman has done this before, where it seems as though he's siding with Trump, and then when the full appellate court makes a decision, usually all of them decide against Trump. Yeah, it's happened once before. This was an emergency appeal of a gag order by Trump's attorneys, I think. You're, yeah. you're right, Darlene. I, and I also think the reason the judge that the judge did this is this is how you inoculate yourself. Against error. Against error, <clears throat> against going up. Because the other thing, too, is... If the um, if if the after the panel hears it, if it's a three nothing decision, there is no right there is no right of appeal to the court of appeals. You have to petition either the, the appellate court or the court of appeals to appeal. If it's a two to one decision, then it's um, then the, uh, the person can appeal as of right to the court of appeals. So look, I understand where everyone's coming from, but there there is a procedural reason for doing this oh i I, under, I understand there is but i think this is a unique case and i would hate to be that judge if something awful happens to ngoron's clerk she's probably living in fear for her life even even now i wonder if i've ever met her i mean i was in front of him uh, she ran for she, i guess she ran for a judgeship and lost could be i mean I've said before, I don't have very much respect for him. He seems to be getting everything right here, though. Well, the, I mean, the paranoia is is uh, the idea that supposedly competent lawyers filed a motion for mistrial based on notes being passed from the clerk to her boss. Well, you know why they did that, filed that motion. Well, at his at his insistence. Of course. And look, we can all talk about how nobody's above the law and all this bullshit. This is a this is a very unique case, and I think everybody in this involved in this is basically saying, "Look, whatever happens, we want to get it right, and we want to make sure that, that there's no reverse and make no, it uh, stick, and make it stick." And that's so, I think that's know, a, that's an important point that you raised, though, Steve, because if he gets three nothing. After He's the full, after the full verdict, it'll never see our most puissant, dread sovereign, supreme Catholic Majesties in D.C. Right? Am I wrong? Unless the Court of Appeals grants the petition to hear the appeal at the Court of Appeals, or see the way it works is is you can when when it's when it's three nothing you have you get you have to you can ask either the appellate court or the Court of Appeals. For a permission, I don't know why the rule's written that way, but it is. 
So you can ask either one for permission to appeal. And so I think I I don't I think but it's 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 not even that it's you have to ask for permission to file. What's it called? It's like a it's like a writ for certiorari, but it's not called that, obviously, in New York. Um, I think you have to ask permission to file that. And the court could I think the court could still. So uh, help help us out here. So there's the trial court, then there's the court, and that's the Supreme Court is the trial court in New York, mm-hmm. and then there's the Court of Intermediate Appeals, and then there's another. No. It's called it's called it's called the Supreme Court, and it's it's by county. So this would be Supreme Court, New York County, right? And then the Supreme Court Appellate Division, and there are four departments. The first department is in New York is the Bronx and Manhattan. The second department is Brooklyn, Queens, uh, Staten Island, and Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island. Yeah, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and Long Island. The third department is, I don't know, a few counties upstate. And then the fourth department is, I think, Albany and everything north. I think that's what it is. Or maybe the third department is basically... Albany and everything south to Westchester County and then above Albany, I think it's Albany County, is the fourth department. That might be what it is. I don't, I don't remember. Okay, so you go through you go through the, uh, one of those. Mm-hmm. So it's trial court that, you go through one of those, and then what's next? The Court of Appeals. Which is the highest court in the state. Which is the highest court, yeah. So if he gets three nothing, he's going to have to petition for leave to file a petition before the highest court. The, yes, correct. Okay. Um, it's so much easier if they didn't call the trial court the Supreme Court, you know. I know, but you know what? To be honest with you, I think that makes perfect sense because the, the trial court is usually the court of general jurisdiction. So I think it makes it makes perfect sense to call it the Supreme Court because you can. You know, and each appellate court has their jurisdiction gets limited. Yeah. I think that makes sense. It's just we're not used to that. So uh, let me let me just ask you to prognosticate. Again, if you want to make sure that all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted, do you, and even if he goes 3 nothing in the in the Court of Intermediate Appeals, loses 3 to nothing, do you think the highest court Grant uh, uh, grants leave anyway. No. no, just to make sure that he doesn't that he can't claim that it was some kind of bias. You know, let hear him out until the very bitter end. Because he's going to claim that no matter what. Well, and I yeah, think the yeah, court I, knows I, that. It, I, yeah, I get that. I get that. But the question is, do you think do you think the New York courts will want to have this thing ultimately adjudicated by? DC. No. No. Well, there's nothing in this case that's federal. It's all in the state. No, that. But if it usually, well, usually, well, you can appeal the highest court in a state to the Supreme Court. Yes. And based on a claim of violation of the, that the the state courts have violated federal constitutional rights. Right. Yeah. 
Well, I know what I want to happen. I want him to be denied leave to file after he lose. I want him to lose three nothing, and then be denied leave to file the petition. I don't know where he'll appeal that to. I mean, would you appeal that to DC? I, I honest to God, don't know, because no, all of this, have, all what? of this is yeah. a delaying game mm-hmm. to try to push it into 2025. But again, it's nothing that can be pardoned by a president. So at some point in time, with liability already having been found, how does he avoid having his shit auctioned on the? I mean, there's a re, I know there's a receivership, but how does he avoid losing control of his properties to make up the amount of the disgorgement? I don't think he does. I declare bankruptcy, because which he has done, and would it surprise you? Well, I mean, well, would that would that stop? Would would a bank would would bankruptcy even stop that though? Yes. Bank, uh, you can you can sense. you can be guilt you can be liable of civil fraud. Yep. Section three sixty two of the bankruptcy law. It's an it's called it's the automatic stay. Well, I know about the automatic stay. I mean, you know, that's that's like, I mean, I, I've seen it applied to uh, plaintiffs' cases. Uh, you know, injury cases, mm-hmm. products mm-hmm. liability, that kind of thing. But I didn't. It's I didn't. basically unlimited, except in cases of foreclosure. How about that? I used three sixty-two D four. I used to get into that. <clears throat> I used to. Well, doesn't doesn't something like receivership and a sheriff's sale smack of foreclosure? I think it might even might just be a residential foreclosure. I'd have to go back and look at it. My, you may very well be right, but my hunch is having sitting here having, because it's been ten years since I this, since I dealt with bankruptcy practice. Um, it's been ten years. Um, I got some very good. I mean, I worked for Citibank, which was awful, but I got some really good experience practicing litigation and uh, doing litigation in bankruptcy court. I got some good familiarity with the federal rules of bankruptcy procedure. So, But as I recall, Section 362 is pretty damn expansive. Well, that makes me wonder if we're ever going to – it goes back to what Roger said a couple of minutes ago. I wonder if we're ever going to see justice done to him. I desperately want him to no longer own a single, uh, not, not so much as a refrigerator over a subway grate in New York. And I want, and, and the other part of it is, you know, uh, Precious Princess Iwanka, my daddy, Trump Kushner, is outside all of these proceedings. Do you think they might try some sort of uh, uh, financial hanky panky to? Put everything in her name, and would 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 the the dipshit twins, you know, Trader Tot and Eric the Dumber, would they feel comfortable letting letting baby sissy? Uh, I don't think she would do it. I I frankly think she and 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 Donnie have had a have had a falling out, and I think she look these are these are a family of sociopaths paths. She she does not need him. She is she is bona fide rich. Forget the fact that this, it's Saudi money, but she is bona fide rich. She doesn't need him. 
No, she doesn't. Um, I'm looking at the... Uh, Uh, and I caught something the other day that Mar Lago uh, got transferred over to Don Jr. via. Uh, yeah, that was a, that was a while back. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, along the lines with what you said, there is a law in New York, the debtor creditor law, that there is a. There's a look you, you it, any any transfer is subject to scrutiny on a look back. It's yeah, it's actually it's it's presumptively fraudulent if it's within these would be presumptively fraudulent. But would he try it? Fuck yeah. But I'm looking at bankruptcy law. It looks like uh, a stay. Any act to obtain possession of property of the estate or property from the estate or to exercise control over property of the estate. Um, uh, and when they say estate, they mean the bankruptcy estate, which is the corpus of property with that subject to the bankruptcy law. Sorry if I'm getting a little too nutty and weirdo here. No, 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 you're not. You're, you're actually providing needed detail. Well, what, but I do want to go back to this this audio recording we were running a little bit ago, the Jonathan Carl uh, audio, and him blathering on about poll numbers. He he really does he he does himself no favors with this, and yet he sat down and and knew. You know, it's not like it's not like Jonathan Carl recorded this secretly. You know. That went down to the Washington. That went back to the Washington Monument. Um, you told them you were going to go up to the Capitol. Were you just... I was, no, I was going to, and the Secret Service said, you can't. And then by the time I would have, and then when I got back, I saw... I wanted to go back. I was thinking about going back during the problem to stop the problem, doing it myself. Secret Service didn't like that idea mm -hmm. too much. So, so what... And I could so have done that. And you know what? I would have been very well received. Don't forget, the people that went to Washington that day... In my opinion, they went because they thought the election was rigged. That's why they went. And who gave them that impression? Where did they get the idea that the election was rigged? Well, him telling people to show up uh, because the election was rigged. I mean, do I have that right? He told these buffoons hence early August, that if I don't win, it was rigged. I mean, he said it's long before even he, he lost. Yeah. Hi, Jeremy. And to get back to what Roger was saying, that uh, Trump should be kissing Goron's ass so he doesn't have a $250 million or more judgment. Um, he can't hand him anything less than a $250 million judgment. That's the bottom price. It starts there. Exactly. Yeah, 250 is the, yeah, that's the floor. As I understand it.
you know, well, it's a good thing I'm not in the docket because you could hit me for two hundred fifty thousand or two hundred fifty million, <clears throat> and I wouldn't be able to pay either one of them. No. And 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 I think that's that's at the bottom of some of this, Roger. He ain't able either. Well, that's when you see the the sale on the courthouse steps to recoup as much of it as you can and put a lien on any future earnings. Let him sleep on the subway grate. I, I just I just I just want to see the lot of them turned out of uh, Trump Tower and that tacky ass penthouse be redecorated in something some something tasteful by a decent owner. That's the other hey, thing, Robin. Steve. Do you think I was going to say, Steve? Do you think there's going to be a lineup to purchase the stuff if it ever happens? Not to hold it. I could see I could see people lining up to purchase it to demolish it and rebuild because his 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 stuff is notoriously cheap built. Yeah. yeah, it's cheap and poorly built. I was just looking over the bankruptcy law. It looks to me like. There's a there's a provision in there for um, to enforce liens against real property are not stayed. Generally speaking, it looks like, but it's the bankruptcy law is it's long and you know right now it's sub uh, it's it's uh, I was just looking at subsection 29 of section 362b, so I'm not going to obviously get into all that shit, but you know what I will do, Robin, I will. Because I'm a nerd, and you're a nerd too with this stuff. Let's be honest. I, I am. I am. Yeah. Um. I. You know. I'll look at it more closely, and just because I would be curious to know. Um. After reading over this, it it occurs to me that it probably it probably wouldn't stay it. And then there's also the issue of. The bankruptcy court could basically say, you know, because you've abused the system, we're not going to grant the stay. Or they would grant a – because I suspect if he did declare bankruptcy, the uh, New York's the, the attorney general would file a motion to lift the stay f- for those reasons. Yeah, absolutely. So – Look. So if this Jer- if this thing if this thing ends in the first week of December like it has been projected. That's like two weeks. Yeah. And then I don't know how long is the how long is the appeal period? <laughs> I've seen appeals go for two years. Um that would not I guarantee I can almost guarantee you that this would be on some sort of expedited track. And then the other issue is the, the the sub issue there is suppose he did appeal, would would this would would the would Engoron actually it's Engoron yes that's what I've been saying Engoron yeah yeah would he stay the enforcement of the judgment um, I suspect Engoron would say would would do that would not do that <clears throat> and I suspect that would go up there would be an emergency. A, emergency um, appeal regarding that and I frankly think that the court of appeal that the appellate court would the appellate division would actually 
allow that to allow the the thing to go into effect. And I and part of the reason I think they would do that is because they've been so overly cautious here. Right, and at some at some point in time, they have got to recognize the concept of bad faith delay tactics. Mm-hmm. And if and if you look at it, if you look at this from that perspective, the way that they're bending over backwards, that leaves the attorney general on. Awful, an awfully good argument to say. Look, everyone bent over backwards for this guy. There was, there was, there was gag orders that were mild, got that got stayed, and the enforcement was was lax. So nobody took anything away from him. Uh, I, that, I, I think Jeremy's one hundred percent right that this that it's it's only. It's it's only a matter of time before he is he's going up the river. I, I would go. This is the closest thing I would the closest I'd ever come to guaranteeing that about any court. You know as well as I do that courts can sometimes do things where you. I'm sure you've had the wait. What the fuck has <laughs> had the, uh, the or the uh, uh, that's Tracy's reaction to a lot of things. What the fuck. Um. I've had that happen, but I think this one, look, and and I think the judges in the various courts have bent over backwards, not because, not because of, well, they're biased against him. That's not the issue. They're doing this to make sure that any verdict sticks and not because, again, not because they're biased, but look, as much as we might not want to think that, think that this matters, he is a former president. He is a candidate for president. We are in, and, I, and I, you know, it's it's such a cliche to say it. We are truly in uncharted territory. We are in not only uncharted territory, but this is territory that the founders never even envisioned. A lot of the, think about if you think about it, a lot of a lot of safeguards that we would expect to be in the Constitution for somebody like this, they're not there. Because the founders, apparently wrongly, thought, ah, they'll never elect somebody like that. I mean, you're having a lot of this happen in the UK with Boris Johnson, where it was there aren't safeguards because people never thought, ah, someone like that would never get into power. Wouldn't happen. Well, wasn't the Electoral College partially constructed to correct the errors that might be made by the people to elect somebody that was corrupt. I think you're 100 percent right. There I is there, there's fun. language to that in the in in the debate and in the Federalist Papers. Yeah, it was. But I, I think, think but, I, but honestly, I think that was their fig leaf to justify the relationship between the Electoral College and the Three Fifths Clause. Wasn't the Electoral? Co- I mean, along those lines. And I, I agree with I, – I hear what you're saying. But I also think along with what Roger's saying is I think the, they, they, did, they, in, they, didn't in, they didn't see the Electoral College as being a, you know, a rubber stamp as it almost is now. They saw it as a deliberative body to, as Roger said, to say, oh, shit, we can't we, – we, 
we I know we you know well and and in the in in the in the in the discussion uh, around the ratification, uh, I think it was George Mason who I mean there was a lot of discussion about just how much power to give the chief executive, and George Mason said you know giving the president the pardon power is going to prove to be a mistake at some point, and he turns you know it turns out that it you know it it took. 200 plus years, but George Mason was right because the very scenario that he described relative to the pardon power showed up in the form of Donald Trump, a corrupt man using the pardon power to further his own criminality. So that's definitely there. Listen, I got to mention this because we're in the third hour of the program and we are a goose egg, y'all. Uh, there's not going to be a, there won't be a program on Monday because we're going to Friendsgiving. But we're 1,400 in the hole. We've got a chance with two challenges to get uh, to knock that down to 1,260, uh, courtesy of our anonymous friend and Ralphs. And it would be great if we could do a lot more than that. But I don't. I, I know. I know how exhausting this all is, and I apologize. Uh, but that's out there, and it would be a, it would be a huge help because, like I said, bills breathing down my neck, and you know the power bill is going to get worse and worse and worse. I've been dreading winter since the end of the last one because they're always so fucking hard because of this clean coal electricity I have to cope with. There is some breaking news, and uh, I got somebody on the stress line, so I'm going to bring them in in a minute. Um, thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy just took care of the. Challenged by our kind anonymous internet friends, so that's the, the thank you so much. I appreciate it, Jeremy. We've got breaking news. The uh, uh, the, uh, the judge hearing the Colorado case, Colorado case against having Nitwit Nero on the ballot, has rejected the claim that the Fourteenth Amendment, Section Four, keeps him off the ballot. Um. That makes Minnesota, Michigan, Colorado, who have all rejected the 14th Amendment claim. It's possible that could be appealed to the Colorado Supreme Court. It most almost certainly will be. And the thing is, we were talking about fast-tracking things a minute ago relative to uh, Nitwit Nero's fraud trial. All in, in Colorado, all these uh, the, this issue must be resolved by January the 5th. Because that's the last day to fix the ballot. So it's going to have to make it to the Colorado Supreme Court and presumably to the Supreme Court of the United States in that period of time. Did you see the reasoning? I saw this. It struck me as a little bit weird. Um. Said it was a political question, that it wasn't yeah. for the court to decide. And I right. thought, that doesn't make any fucking it sense. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what the, that's the fig leaf they've been using. That's two references to a fig leaf this evening. Uh, polit- the, 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 that was the same reasoning used, I think, in Georgia with regard to marginal, uh, marginal trailer queen, and it was the same reasoning used in Minnesota, even though that was as to the primary ballot and not necessarily the federal ballot, and then come back. But if this all if this all goes to the Supreme Court before January fifth, 
it's going to be it'll be decided once and for all. And you know how our most puissant, dread sovereign, supreme Catholic Majesties, three of whom owe their damn jobs to Nitwit Nero, are going to rule on that. Kind of the way that fat dead, kind of the way that fat dead Tony said, all that well-regulated militia language in the Second Amendment is just uh, superfluous. Can I? Can I? I don't know if you saw the uh, breaking news about Michigan. Um, which, uh, which part? Uh, which? They fired the linebacker coach. Oh, <laughs> I knew you'd go there. I knew you'd go yeah. there. Uh, let's see. It looks like your 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 Buckeyes have the uh, day off tomorrow. No, they're playing Minnesota. Oh, okay. I was looking. I didn't. I didn't see him. Oh, there. Yeah, Minnesota at Ohio State. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's go over to the stress line and see who we got. Hey, welcome to the program. So that kind of stinks about the um, about uh, Colorado, but um, Darlene. Hey, Darlene. Um, I just. Hey, so I just. I wanted to uh, just go back to Judge and Gorin, uh and also I had a question. Um, so. Uh, and obviously Steve can speak to this better than I, but my understanding is that the way the court, courts are set up there, this, um, this law clerk who is a lawyer, um, you know, is there, that's her job. She's sitting there and is there to, um, you know, advise the judge um, if she sees things that um, maybe um, are contradictory in testimony and, um you know, so for example, if um, you know Don Jr. says something, on, you know, direct, and then contradicts himself on cross, you know, she's probably passing information to the judge to remind him of that because there's a lot to take in, and that this is just a no- the normal way that the courts function. Um. Although I don't like what this Judge Friedman did, in a sense, he also could be um, helping helping things along um, to go against Trump in the, the, the three-judge or however many-judge panel it will be, because it's pretty clear, and maybe he took, maybe he took um, a page from Judge Chuckin's book in D.C., because the moment, uh, because she also did a, a temporary lifting of the gag order there. And the moment um, she did that, Trump immediately began to uh, resume attacking her, uh, attacking um, uh, the prosecutor, uh, Jack Smith. And we're seeing the same pattern here in New York. Um, so I would be surprised if the appellate panel did not Take note of that. That the moment that the gag order was lifted um, by Judge Friedman, Trump immediately resumed attacking this this court clerk, um, Allison Green, or something. Um, so my question is: is that you know? And um, I don't, you know, if she's going through a lot. My guess is, uh, hopefully, I, with the court. In this interim phase, before it goes to the appellate court, would would the judicial system provide her with security 
And if not, if something happens, um, say she has to provide her own security, say she's shelling out thousands of dollars daily um, to, you know, to protect herself and she's getting threats and, and so on. When the court case is over, can she sue Trump for defamation and for punitive damages and restitution if this cost her in any way? Or the fact that she ran for judge in New York, and, you know, hence that's why she was pictured with Schumer, um, would that nullify that because, in a sense, she's a public figure? Or does that not matter? That, and, and that's a heck of a uh, that's that's a heck of an inquiry because the fact of the matter is she's not you know he slimed her because he found a picture of her with with Chuck Schumer, but the fact of the matter is she is as as a court clerk she is not a public figure just right. vis a vis that. But she ran exactly, but she but she ran at one point was visible. Oh, I know, I know. You know, or you know, but I, I've always wondered about that because if somebody, you know, say had their fifteen minutes, and you know, and I didn't know who she was before all of this, um, does that make her a public figure, or does that sort of? Well, I think the question you're moving toward is, can one be a public figure and then stop being a public figure? I was just thinking, Darlene, that's a fantastic, you had that, that analysis, is, I couldn't add anything to that. That's spot on. 100%. I mean, E.G. E. Yeah, advice. so that's what I'm wondering. I don't know, Steve, yeah. if you have an idea, but I, I just, I'm, I'm wondering because he is so... You know, he's taking, look, he, we know, and of course it may not rise to the level of, of proof in court, but we all know he is taking advantage of the privilege that the court system is affording him, certain privileges that you and I wouldn't have. It's not normal for no. a defendant to do what he's doing. Well, abs- absolutely, and bear in mind, please, uh, and, and it could be that, the E. Jean Carroll cases are instructive on this because, remember, E. Jean Carroll was a well-known New York columnist. She had retired by the time he started trashing her, however. And I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't think uh, any kind of public public figure argument uh, stood in terms of the uh, in in terms in terms of the. Uh, the jury and the court being able to drop a sledgehammer on him. And now maybe that shows up. Maybe well, that shows up on appeal, but it hasn't worked so far. Yeah, but but her, but her, her street cred as a somewhat public figure was damaged by what he did. She couldn't get work. She couldn't, you know, as a, I think as a writer. Um, I mean, she she wrote the Vogue. So um, yeah, he did. He did her economic harm. Yeah, um, and and again, I don't know if the court system would um, provide security for uh, this this law clerk. Um, and if they don't, if she has to shell out. I mean, you know, I, I doubt she's 
well, I don't know anything about her, but chances are she doesn't have means like Mitt Romney, who can, of course, pay $1,000 a day for personal security for himself and his family. So if she's in a position, like even during this, this temporary lifting of this gag order, if, if she's on her own and she's having to shell out thousands a day for protection, I mean, Judge Chuckin doesn't have to worry about that. She has federal marshals uh, accompanying her to court, back and forth from court uh, daily. I don't know what happens when she gets to her own front doors. My guess is she's got the marshals stationed outside her home. Uh, but this is a different situation. Now, Trump has basically put her on the map. So she's now a public figure against Will. But then again, he would probably point to, well, look, she's hobnobbing, you know, she hobnobbed with Chuck Schumer. More than that, she had a relationship with him, and blah, blah, you know, which is not true. Uh, right, and... and but and, he put her on now. Um, that just... I'm trying to remind. I'm trying to remember if suggesting sexual misconduct or sexual conduct rises to the level of libel per se or slander yes. per se. Yes. In New York, it does. Yes. Not only that, but impugning a person, like a person's um, virtue. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, like. Uh, you, you you say like uh, you impugn their their job or their job duties. Um, I don't know has he I don't know has he specifically accused her of any crime because accusing somebody of a serious crime is um, defamation per se. She's just there doing her job, but he's trying to say right. she's she's like a judge. Yeah. There is the, in New York State, and I, maybe other states are like this too. I suspect they are. There is a separate police force for the courts. Well, New York seems unique to me. I mean, at least in terms of, I mean, Connecticut. I never saw anything like that. Uh, we had we have like temporary assistant PACs um, in the trial court level that never sit next to a judge um, or are that actively involved during the court hearing or during court proceedings. Um, they're more behind the scenes after the fact and um, clearly helping the judge um, when court is not in session, but nothing as visible as what we're seeing in New York. Um, so that that's what I was wondering. Um I if I fear that this something is going somebody's going to get hurt or worse um, as the courts are handling this orange menace with you know with delicacy that he really doesn't deserve and that no one else would be afforded and I don't know how and the gag order was very narrow. It, it was it was narrow. It was just you know narrow to um, to just the staff. So if 
even if he were to appeal something, does that really go to the merits of the actual case at hand that A.G. Tish James is prosecuting? I would say no. So, that didn't, him, right. him, that gag order had nothing to do with whether he could defend himself in court. Right. I mean, I, 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 I can envision, a, I can envision a situation. And by the way, thank you, Henry. Henry uh, uh, took up half of Ralph's uh, challenge uh, in honor of Rosalind Carter. Thank you, Henry, so much. So there's twenty-five dollars remaining on that to get us down to uh, one thousand two hundred and sixty dollars to go. That would. Well, that that plus sixty more dollars, and we would actually be fully funded for everything but this week. So, thank you, Henry. Thank you so very much. Uh, sorry to interrupt like that, um, but I can envision a final order of judgment that says every every you were given every break. Every everything that could be done was done to make sure that your rights were secured. When we lifted the gag order, temporarily the first thing you did was attack an innocent woman again. And that all of these things can be used foundationally to say, nope, this one's sticking to you and it's not going to come off. Is that just too but optimistic on my part? Well, but he's shown a history of this kind of stuff. Right. Particularly with the E. Jean Carroll case. It was right after he got the judgment came down that he had, in fact, defamed her, blah, blah, blah. And the judge made that ruling. I think it was like 20 minutes later, he came back and defamed her again. And she went back to court and said, hey, we got to reopen the, this penalty phase here. And the judge agreed, and they reopened another penalty phase because the original penalty wasn't enough to have him keep his mouth shut. <clears throat> and I don't know what's happened to that case since. I think they added they, uh, they um, her attorney is really smart, um, very sharp. And she they, they had uh, Eugene Carroll one. I think was an ongoing concern, and Eugene Carroll too was the one that they, was the case that they, the jury decided in her favor for the five million. So I think that her lawyer just added on to um, to Eugene Carroll one because then things were cleared for that. I think she just added on. Look, he, he defamed her again at that uh, so-called town hall uh, with uh, CNN. And hopefully, yeah, right. Rashonda is pretty good, and will be a hundred million. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say, Roger. I think those damages, her damages, are going to follow your bacterial growth uh, formula. I hope so. And and the thing is, there have been rulings in the case, uh, kind of similar mm -hmm. to the fraud trial. Uh, there. Liability is already established. 
everything that happened right. everything that happened in the first case where the five million dollars were awarded is going to be race judicata in the second case, so they're only going to try damages. Right. And that's a bad place for him to be in, but it's a place he put himself in. And that's why they got to make it really hurt. They got to make it, I mean, 100 million more, make it hurt because 5 million, he could just slough that off and continue to. Well, you, I mean, you know what I say all the time, you know, you hand the jury form and a pencil and tell them to write the number one and then start writing zeros until their hand cramps. Yeah, but I, I, I am concerned. I feel like the court system is playing with fire because, you know, if someone is hurt or killed, is that the point at which he'll be thrown in jail? Darlene, I don't think he would be is thrown in jail then. No, I don't think he'd be thrown in jail then. And it's, 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 it's. It would turn. 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 It would turn into a prophecy of what he said about I could shoot. I could shoot someone in the middle of Park Avenue and never lose a vote. The fact of the matter is, it's terrifying, and and it and it only gets more so the more you ponder it because every time he gets an adverse ruling, he fundraises on it. And he grows stronger within the Republican field. I mean, this guy is short of stroking out or otherwise shuffling off this mortal coil. He will be the Republican nominee for president. And I, I, you know, I have to be okay with that because he has never won the popular vote yet. He never will. Hey, Robin, are you still taking one for the team? And do you get his uh, oh, fundraising yeah. email? No. You do? Yes. What are they looking like lately? What's an example of the, like, the latest one? Well, the one I shared the other night was from somebody inside the campaign. Uh, Susie Wiles and Chris LaCivita. Uh, blather, uh, trying to uh, put some distance between the campaign and these statements about how he's going to engage in vendetta. So far today, and it's kind of weird because it's a Friday, uh, it's been bupkis. Oh. My, my, uh, oh, there, wait. Uh, polling week in review, President Trump crushes in GOP primary, towering over crooked Joe Biden in general election. Uh Citing another poll where he's at 60%, Monkey Up's at 9, Nimrata's at 8, uh, We Wake is at 8, and Chris Christie is at 5. Which, which reminds me, and I don't even want to ponder this horror, but it's the kind of stuff that annoys me, so I'll annoy you. If Nimrata Haley were to become president of the United States... Would she have to take the oath of office as Nimrata Haley? Has she ever legally changed her name to Nikki? 
Better yet, would she rename Hawaii to that fake island she defended on air one time? Benoma or Benoma, yeah. But no, it's Ooh, a ser- it's a serious question. And 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 what would you know? What would maggot America? Th- I thought I voted for Nikki Haley. What what the hell kind of name is Nimrata? Nimrata Hussein. That's it. That, that sounds like what my buddies call me when I'm all drunk up. Get over here, you Nimrod. I think it's from the Bible. Can you, can you well, and, and Robin, along those lines, how does her name have to appear on the ballot? That is a state-to-state. State, <laughs> that's a state-to-state state question. I mean, well, hopefully, if she were to win, she gets C.J. Roberts. I mean, if he, I mean, minister the oath because he so badly screwed up Obama. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll <laughs> fuck it up. Do you nim num num? Do you? Or he'll just call her Nikki. He won't even realize. So call her. You know what? People have to put. I, I guarantee you, you have to at least on a ballot it has to be your legal name. Otherwise, you could fucking put any name. You could you could call yourself anything. Well, yes. I mean, yeah. you know, I could I could run for president, but then say put my you know say that my name was uh, Donald D A H N O L D T R U M P F or you know or yeah. you know something like that. <laughs> no, yeah. you re- you really do. You you've got to use your real name. Now you can include you can include a nickname like in quotes. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, now I'm talking about West Virginia law because I at least experienced this. Uh, you can put an honorific in front of it or a title like Miss, Ms., Mister, um, Doctor. I wonder if she would put Ambassador or Governor. And do former titles count? What was Hillary? I think Hillary was just Hillary. Hillary, Hillary Rodham, Rodham Clinton. Clinton. Yeah, that's all. But it's it's an hey, interest. It's an it's an interesting concept. By the way, thank you. Um, I don't know if this is anonymous or not, but we got five dollars to go on Ralph's challenge. Thank you so much. Uh, go ahead. I interrupted. Sorry. Oh hey hey Darlene, I, I wanted to go back. You you made that assumption about uh, Mittens' disposable income. You might you, don't be so quick to see how much uh, money he's got left over. Uh, have you seen how much where Falca eats and how much Seamus shits? Is Seamus even still with us? I uh, probably not. That poor boy. Have you ever heard an Irish setter? Have you ever heard an Irish setter scream? I what? Am am I distant? No, you sounded kind of distant. Yeah, I couldn't hear you as well. You were saying, "Don't assume what about?" Oh, Mitten's disposable income. Have you seen how much Rafalka eats and Seamus shits? Oh. Hey, Darlene. Darlene, yeah. have you have you gotten any Esther Price since the stuff that I sent you? Oh no, I haven't. I haven't ordered that in a while. Yeah, I sent some to um, Nidia. I sent some to Nidia. Um, uh, yeah, that stuff the, is uh, from Ohio. 
Yeah, it's you had the salted caramel, right? The salted caramel with the yes. dark yeah, chocolate and milk chocolate. Yeah, it was delicious. Mm. It's like a really sweet little um, chocolate beer shop in in, in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, some of the uh, some of the items are so in demand that uh, a lot of times they're sold out on the website. Yep, especially yeah. during Christmas. Yeah, uh, but it's a very nice. Um, they make really nice chocolates. Oh yeah. Yep. Hey, I have a honey question. I, guess what, I just. Oh, go ahead. I just, what scares me, um, I'm not worried about the popular vote. I'm really worried about the Electoral College next year, yes. the Electoral College, um, surfing, um, the popular vote. And in a sense, that disenfranchises, disenfranchises the majority vote, um, it's a weird thing into this system um, that, quite frankly, should exist. Uh, I mean, we have Jamie Raskin bringing that up. Simply. I mean, he's kind of saying that he's, he doesn't like it. It's, it's anti-democratic. And unless we have, like, super majorities in both chambers, we're, we're, we're never getting rid of that thing. And it's like that that, that keeps me up at night. Um because I can't imagine, you know, what the next, the following day is going to be like. Somehow Trump steals another one <laughs> next year. And so, yeah, our, our, our side won't, our side won't pull a January sixth. Not worry for a second. He's not getting in. He's not going to be reelected. It's not fucking happening. Stop talking about it, for Christ's sake. Yes, hey, Jeremy. Stop whispering Jeremy, it into the year of the universe. Is that what you're saying, Jeremy? Well, I hope you're right. Yeah. I'm a little bit concerned about um, the Gaza War and and how that might disenfranchise some folks. I mean, it won't me. No, you, 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 I don't. No, you don't mean disenfranchise. You mean there's, there's disenchant. A, Disenchant. I mean, there's a considerable okay. number of of Arab folks, particularly in Michigan, which is a very large population and a very important state. And a very important state. Who've yeah. and it's hard for me to. It's hard. It's hard for me to disagree with them. I think, frankly, Biden has fucked this up. You don't know how I feel about terrorists. Is it the isn't there an um, agency in the executive branch that's saying they don't agree with Biden? They've been yeah, pushed back. I don't know if it's the State Department. Yeah. State Department, right. They're saying resigned. this is it. Have resigned? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. See, the, yeah, this could be a problem. And I don't. And uh, did they find anything in that Al Al Sharif hospital? Did no. they find any evidence that? You, you, okay, what, that's what, what I we, thought. What, they, you know, 
what we found out is that the Israelis are the ones who built that stuff under there. I'm trying to think. I saw a story where. Christ's sake. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They built that. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, there was a doctor there in that hospital, you know, and, of course, he was he was saying, look, we don't have we don't have enough of the supplies we need. And um, he said, there is no Hamas here in this hospital. We don't know what they're talking about. There, there's no sign of Hamas in this hospital. You know what occurred because to me? he's a Palestinian okay, doctor, didn't care. So, go ahead. I, I mean, if in fact, I mean, if the IDF, here's here's the thing that I've thought about. If they say, "Oh, we know where we know that Hamas is in that hospital. We know where they are." Well, then why are you fucking bombing the hospital from above? If you know they're there, go get them. Unless, of course, it's a fucking ruse, which it is, because they want to bomb the volumes, like, what they are doing. No, it's, it's because it's like Vietnam and tunnel rats. Not to say something mm-hmm. bad about people, but it's the same idea. There's 300 miles of tunnels under Gaza. They're all Hamas stuff. No, they're you not. Listen, Indian? No, they're not. They're not. They've come out and... Uh, Israel built that stuff. Huh? And they and they use it for one of the things they use it for is to get is to smuggle food in, because Israel is blocking the borders. Israel bought it so they can smuggle in food to the people they're blocking the borders from. Is that what you're saying? I don't understand. No, I didn't saying that. The uh, particularly that. under you literally no, just said not, that. No, I didn't just say that. You did no, say that. I didn't just say that. Why don't you stop and listen? <laughs> listen, listen to the what podcast. I said was, you said that. What I said was. That Israel has built those things under there. They are used primarily for. Um, that's what they've used to, to smuggle in food. They, the Palestinians, we're getting lost, we're right. getting lost right. in the pronouns here. They yeah, were right. they were initially that's built. They were initially built by Israel. Yeah, Israel. But they are used now to provision the hospital with food, perhaps fuel. Uh, medical supplies that cannot get through the blockade. Right. I mean, this thing about they found they found a copy of Mein Kampf down there. Come on. Yeah. The IDF all they do is find anything. Have they found a copy of the learned uh, the protocols of the learned elders of Zion yet? And the catcher of the rye too. Yeah. This is is look this this bullshit about. Israel saying we don't target civilians. It's just horseshit. Of course they do. They've targeted, uh, and and that's the other thing. Wow, you know, eleven thousand dead. That's that's Hamas's numbers because they control the Ministry of of, of Health. Okay, fine. So it's not ten thousand. If is it okay if it's five? Well, and that's the other thing too. Is is there's been other the relativism? The relativism that. is sincerely off-putting. Yes. But other groups have have verified these numbers, and actually, there was actually I'm trying to think where I saw that um, an IDF spokesman came out and said, "Yeah, it's probably even more." I mean, look, Médecins Sans Frontières has been there. So is Human Rights Watch. It, yes, and and I guess the IIRC got run out or or bugged out. Okay, now I want to uh, how to deal with this. 
there are so many there are so many issues that have developed tangentially around this. Kevin, thank you so much for jumping in. You just got us down to uh, twelve fifteen. Thank you so much. So we're actually uh, we're we're actually working on getting this past Monday funded. Thank you so much. We've got uh, uh, two hundred and what. Um, no, wait, twelve fifteen. We got fifteen dollars of last Friday left. Sorry, there we are. Thank you, Kevin. Um You're welcome. There are so many this thing this thing has bloomed like a toxic flower uh, uh around the world. And I don't know if you saw this thing about the bin Laden letter. I mean, I presume that given that we are of all us all of a certain age, we all saw it back. 22 years ago when he gave his reasons for why the they why they attacked uh, the United States via the um, World Trade Center and the Pentagon and the one that corkscrewed into the ground that was probably headed for either the White House or the Capitol we 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 knew that and and if you remember uh, because this thing, there are so many, like I said, there are so many little toxic blooms on all of this. Um, remember Ward Churchill? There's a blast from your past. Ward Churchill was the college professor in, I think, Colorado, who was just trashed all over this country for one statement. Five words. After after 9-11, Ward Churchill uttered five words that ruined his life. And they weren't even, he didn't even come up with them the first time because it's an old saying. In the aftermath of 9-11, Ward Churchill said, Chickens coming home to roost. Remember that? And it yep. completely destroyed his life. He was an academic. He lost his job as a teacher. Well, I saw the other day that a professor, I think, at Emory University in Atlanta, has been is is no longer on the faculty because they spoke out in favor of Palestinians. I don't think they overtly said "Yay Hamas" or anything, but that academic is out of a damn job. Great. Now, the next thing, and and Brother Deacon Asa and I chatted briefly offline about it, the Bin Laden letter. There is a phenomenon, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run perilously close to being a geezer here, okay, or whatever the feminine equivalent of geezer is. Um. There is a phenomenon that we have talked about here of younger generations, and and this is a quote from Boss Man Wayne because he was so spot on when he said this, younger generations thinking that history began the day that they were born. Last Friday, we had a conversation about the TikTok generation, I think we should stop calling them Z and Alpha. We should just call them the TikTok generations. And I'm not going to get all get off my lawn about TikTok, but ugh. Uh, 
but last last week we had the story about some TikTokers finding a twenty-year-old story about somebody a a, a a person who died in Belgium after eating spaghetti in tomato sauce that had sat out on the counter for five days, and they got a case of what is called fried rice syndrome and died. Well, that went all around the world because it became viral on TikTok because very young people saw it and went, shit. Well, no sooner does that happen than here we are one week later and some really apparently young TikTokers who had this thing, well, social media people know how to make this stuff get bigger, and so they rediscovered the Bin Laden letter and started TikToking. I do. I sound so Grandpa Simpson on this one. I, I'm sorry. But they started They started into TikToking the Bin Laden letter and agreeing with some of the shit that he said. Because, of course, it's all full of anti-Semitic vitriol. Such that the 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 link they were using, the Guardian had actually had a link to the Bin Laden letter because, well, it makes sense to have that. People should be able to find that. But the Guardian had to pull the link because it was forming it was forming the uh, the, the, the 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 core of an anti-Semitic frenzy online. That's the thing about the Internet. It, it distorts history now. I mean, I like history. I always have. Oh. And, uh, you know, before you had to read about it, you had to go to a library and look something up. You had to, you know, do some digging. And now you can just, like, throw your eyes in the Internet and just, and hope and, and yeah, water. and hope you get the real McCoy. Exactly. And yeah, about history being born when when they're born, it's just it's dangerous not to know why things happen and why they why they you know for what reasons and why you should apply them to the future. You know. Hey, hey, Robin, what's your favorite He's- history? Sorry. Let, let me let me let me channel my in, inner Audrey Hepburn. Rome, Rome. All no, 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 wait, let, no, no. Let's let's get let's just, let's get this right. No, no, no. All history is equally compelling and interesting, but Rome, always Rome. Can you tell I love Roman Holiday? I cry every time. <laughs> Sabrina, Sabrina murders me too. You guys are saying the internet destroys, destroys history. Are you saying that George Washington didn't fly New Jersey with an continental international air force? That didn't really happen. I, I'm sorry about the Battle of Bowling Green, Jeremy. I know. I know. But 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 I'm trying to. When Asa and I were talking earlier today, we were trying to figure out, you know, why is it? Because uh, when I was roughly the same age as you know some young Z's. I was paying at, well, I was going, look where I wound up.
but I was paying attention. I was a newspaper reader. I was a, I, I was a, I, I was a, I was a consumer of current events and and thinking about it and whatnot and wondering what it meant. But I had to pursue multiple sources in order to to really flesh out an issue. Again, at the same age of some of these young Zs now. And that, that made me ask the question, what's the difference then? And Kevin, I think you touched it. The difference is that Gen Z has never lived in a world without the uh, without screens and without the internet mm-hmm. and gen alpha the next gen after that uh, they're going to look at gen gen z as 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 geezers for even going to websites instead of just apps on a tablet or on their or, or on their handheld computer that they keep in their pocket mm, yeah and I don't want to get I don't even want to get adjacent to the the histrionics and the hysterics of people uh, having a conniption of, over over online content. But Steve, uh, uh, when I when I was when I was reading this, I, I started thinking about you know your concept of being a free speech absolutist and how that all plays in. I'm sure that the childish way that um, we're seeing leaders, political leaders act these days doesn't help with any of this. No. Um, you, you know you what? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, just a, a quick point on Jared Moskowitz. Yeah. And this goes to optics. You know, Joy kept talking about optics. Optics about the only Palestinian American in um, Jared Moskowitz is, um, he really is a bright star in terms of the Democratic freshman class in the House or in Congress. Um, but what I found a bit disturbing about him um, is, and I was actually quite shocked, but interviewed on the minor side by that um, he equates squad members, in particular, um, Rashida Twalib, uh, Ilhan Omar, and AOC. He equates them with the seven or eight extreme ultra maggots on the Republican side in the House. Yeah, he, he sees them as the far end of the... Uh, the left, the way that the, those others are the far end of the right, and I don't agree with that. Nor do I, nor I. Um, that's a false. That's a false equivalency. He was Rolling. also um, one of the twenty-two venture twelve. Uh, the twenty-two Democrats to venture. Um, he and. Uh, I, was, I, was kind of, I was actually disappointed in Dan Goldman. Um, he also was on that list. Um, Debbie Watson and Schultz, kind of not surprised. But 
there, you know, to me, that kind of is a flag in terms of Zionist tendencies. Not that there's anything necessarily bad with that in the sense that, you know, obviously, like we all do, um, want to ensure that Israel is a safe and thriving nation. Uh, it's there. I'm there's nothing concerned. you can yeah. do about that. But right. if it gets to a, a, a point where things or feels like it could usurp their first order of business, the first priority is this country, uh, the United States. And then I have a problem with it. Um, and I'm concerned about what the censure. There was a, uh, there is a Vermont representative, um, I think her name is Ballant, um, and she, she is good friends with Rashida Twalib, um, as a Jewish woman, uh, good friends with Rashida Twalib as a Palestinian woman. And she, she doesn't like what's happening, doesn't want Israel to be doing what it's doing. She did bring up Bernie Sanders because Bernie's been pretty quiet. And she said that, you know, he is, he is quite concerned about I what's think, happening. I think Bernie's been succinct. I think Bernie's been very succinct and, and correct. According in, to in this interview, this he's been, he's been quiet, but she said he's, you know, he's on his own journey with this and she doesn't want to pressure him. Um, but um, that's fine. I mean, th- that's not the impression I got from this interview uh, that Bernie was uh, necessarily out there on the Senate side saying no, no, no. Um, but um, he, he hasn't is, said he's is, refrained from the magic words ceasefire. Nobody wants to say those words, right? That seems like a third rail right now. Right? Am I right. wrong? And well, we saw that with the Canadian Prime Minister. He was tripping up. Oh, yeah, right. All over he, himself. It almost, yeah, he had and, to stuff it back in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, my friend of Canada has said that, you know, this is uh, what's happening to the Palestinians is actually quite devastating to the Prime Minister, but he's more or less bootstrapped um, with the United States in having to try to show a unified front um, in terms of calling for this temporary um, cessation or whatever they want to call it um, of the hot uh, I am I am concerned about what this this censure revealed and strange bestsellers it made in the 22 Democrats and Republicans. Uh, so. I can't find who the three sentences were. I'm, I cannot find that information. I searched for an hour to try to find out who there were actual, I think there was a total of four abstentions on that censure vote, one Republican and three Democrats. If anyone knows who the three abstentions were, I'd love to know. I could not find, I mean, it was splattered all over the place on the, on the 22 Democrats. The list was quite easy to find. But I check everything. I the House website, you know, not that it tells you much because you know Republicans are in charge. Um, 
Al Jazeera. <laughs> I checked that. I figured Al Jazeera would be upfront about it, but there was nothing there either. Um, I just couldn't find anything um, on who who abstained. Um, yeah. So, well, Darlene, I'd like to see. I'd like to see a, the Democratic Unified Front in bringing censure a censure resolution to. MGD, Gem, MG, MGT, is that what I'm trying to say? Yeah. On her unwavering support. Yeah, Spork, yeah, Sporkfort's easier. Uh, for her unwavering support for our homegrown domestic terrorists, January 6th. She hasn't wavered a bit, and she's exactly. still, you know? So how about we bring the same censure resolution to her, for hey. her? Hey, Darlene. Yeah. Did you yes. say they were they voted present or they didn't vote? I'm present. I think they voted Span, present. Uh, yes. Spanberger. Spanberger was one. Okay. Wild out of a Democrat from Pennsylvania. Wild was one. Uh, Spanberger, Democrat of Virginia, was one. Uh. Norcross of Jersey was one Democrat. Uh, Joyce of Ohio, Republican. Uh, there were six. Where did you no find vote. that? Because I looked at. Um, I found the uh, I found the roll call vote from the clerk's website. Okay, I must just not. All right. Okay, uh, there is at least an explanation for Susan Wilde of Pennsylvania. She is the ranking member of the House Ethics Committee. Joyce. Oh, Darlene. Joyce. Darlene. David Joyce is also on the Republican side of the House Ethics Committee. Can I? I'll tell Darlene. It was roll call number six twenty two. Um, and the bill number was House Resolution 845. So if you go to right, okay, you go to House.gov and you can look at the roll call votes. Roll call number 622. Okay. Resolution 845. Okay, thank you. I even have the mm -hmm. app. I have the uh, congressional app thing where it shows like what came up for the vote. And the moment I tried, the moment I pressed the roll call on the, on the app, it just it kept failing. So, um, all right. So, thanks for that. I was very curious as to who uh, voted um, that they were present. Um, but I, I I I find I find the whole thing quite concerning. And now the ADL, the Anti Defamation League, is now targeting. Um, Twalib, um, Ilyan Omar, and um, AOC uh, to try to um, get uh, people to run against them, which is, you know, of course, you know, three brown women, <laughs> brown-skinned women. Uh, so it's the Defamation League is, is is going after them. And I just I feel like this is this is overkill. 
And, you know, if, if I am wrong in that, then abuse me of it. But this is, this is, this is sad because really, uh, it could have been better if Democrats showed a united front. And that phrase from the river to the sea uh, has had many different meanings. Mm-hmm. Over the years, there's a long um, history of that. And, yeah. And Rashida Tlaib explained the meaning to her, uh, and you know, they didn't care. Um, so, in my view, they chose to stand by that earlier intonation of what you know, or denotation of, of what that meant, which was the, the eradication or elimination of Israel. Um, but it has, it had many different meanings. So, or I guess we shouldn't be surprised that the so-called adults in the room are not acting like adults. We're seeing these things blowing up on the college campuses as well. Um, but can, I, I want to I want to ask a question, if I, if I may, darling. Isn't college campuses where we expect things like this to get legs? Isn't uh, isn't isn't the academy where unpleasant, un uh, uh, disagreeable to- uh, topics get debated? Yes, and they're still learning. Well, I mean, yeah, from from right? the foundation of the gathering knowledge. Yeah, yeah, from the from the foundation of the Sorbonne and 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 Oxford uh, carried mm-hmm. over carried over into uh, American educational traditions. We talk about things that piss off the general culture on college campuses. Just ask the boomers. Who were facing getting their happy asses dragged off to Vietnam? Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, Jewish students are being unfortunately Jewish students are being targeted. Yeah, in that's the, bullshit. In the college, that's uh, uh, you know, campuses and universities. Yeah, threats that's of violence are. Yeah. As our that, that's what I meant, which is horrible. Oh. Um, and I don't know if. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know if other college campuses, um, uh, Muslim and Arab students are being targeted. Um, yes. And yeah. It's just wrong. You know the ADL. Uh, the uh, ADL speaks largely for for Jewish America, and uh, the Council mm-hmm. on American Islamic Relations does the same thing for Muslim Americans, and they are both reporting uh, massive increases in, in the biased crimes and biased right. statements and biased threats. On college campuses. Now, maybe, maybe this stuff is on and off college on campuses. You know, My I don't know. Spreading but... like a cancer. Yeah. My parents go to a universalist church. They're very open about everything. In fact, their preacher is a lesbian with a child. Um, I'm saying that just to how open in the church about things. I don't care about who you are as long as you're a good person. And her preacher is also Jewish. They have a there's a world famous Jewish uh, children's center here in Burlington, I believe. My mom was saying, talking to her. And since what's happened in the Middle East, particularly Israel and Iran, 
They've hired an armed guard for the kindergarten for the kids. <sighs> it's heartbreaking, but it's happening. And 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 let's remember because we were talking and we've gone over a little bit. That's okay. It it would be great if we could uh, get down to twelve hundred bucks. Uh, that'd be fantastic. Um, what did I say? We're at twelve fifteen. And, and yeah. Anyway, uh, one of the one of the things that came out of the reading that I did about the whole Bin Laden letter. Uh, hey. Hey Robert, real quick. Yeah. I can swing. I can swing fifteen. So put me down. I'll, I'll have to fire up the PayPal and do it. Thank you, Steve. Uh, that means sure. we're done with last Friday. That's sure. awesome. Uh, let me let me see if I can organize my thoughts here. Um, the Bin Laden the Bin Laden letter virality phenomenon. Included in the letter is a claim by him. That the Jews have to do it Lewis Black style <laughs> are importing people into America. Basically, it's the great. It's it's another iteration of the Great Replacement theory, and it's worth remembering that that was the motivating idea behind the guy who shot up the Tree of Life synagogue because he was angry because he had been inflamed by right-wing media over an immigration support group run by a Jewish charity that had been founded to provide a home for Jews fleeing Europe but whose mission had shifted to people from other war-torn or at-risk areas of the globe. So they worked at bringing uh, people from conflict zones across Africa uh, or, or in war-torn areas of Central America, Asia, etc. That great replacement theory motivated the Tree of Life synagogue shooter and was part and parcel of the <clears throat> argument <clears throat> that Osama bin Laden was making. But then on top of it all, there is, of course, Leon Scum, who finds, who, who finds himself once again at the center of a controversy of his own creating. Uh, major corporations are pulling their ads from uh, Shitter because their ads are appearing adjacent to shits from anti-Semitic organizations and anti-Semitic accounts that are being uh, promoted on that toxic space. IBM, the EU, have both, have both pulled their spending. And what Leon Scum did was liked and replied to a post that said Jews have been pushing the exact kind of dialectical hatred against whites that they claim to want people to stop using against them. Elon Musk said, you have said the actual truth. The ADL unjustly attacks the majority of the West, despite the majority of the West supporting the Jewish people and Israel, 
This is because they cannot, by their own tenets, criticize the minority groups that are who are their primary threat. The White House has denounced it. Yep. It's disgusting. Yep. And uh, over at the ADL, Jonathan Greenblatt said, at a time when anti-Semitism is exploding in America and surging around the world, it is indisputably dangerous to use one's influence to validate and promote anti-Semitic theories. Absolutely. Um, but also, yeah. uh, also within that tweet, uh, let's see, here's the full tweet that uh, Leon Scum liked and, co- and commented on. A guy said, okay. Jewish communities have been pushing the exact kind of dialectical hatred against whites that they claim to want people to stop using against them. I'm deeply disinterested in giving the tiniest shit now about Western Jewish populations coming to the blah, 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 blah. You have said the actual truth. Hashtag deport Elon. Okay? I don't... don't, There are people out there... uh, He was was asking, should he run for... He was asking, should he run for president, for Christ's sakes? He can't. He is constitutionally barred. But, uh, the again, the thing that has gone unremarked in all the stories I've seen is that the original poster uh, made a tacit declaration that Jews aren't white mm-hmm. and it calls it, 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 it puts in stark relief the fluidity yeah. of whiteness yeah good point I'll tell you this is just bringing out what's going on in the Middle East it just exploded quickly and it's just bringing out the worst in, in, in people on both sides of this, and it's just, it's, it seems like it had been, I, I don't know if it's like, um, I think Steve had said, you know, this feels different, this is different. Something is like, it, it was almost like it's been bubbling under the surface for many years. It's well, just like Trumpism, right, Darlene? Though, it's just like Trump. Trump, yeah, Trump let just, all the cockroaches out from behind the baseboards, and now this has done it. <laughs> And yeah, I'm now sorry. you got. Yeah. I mean, relatively quiet. You know, it's been quote unquote relatively quiet. In other words, we've just been ignoring the Palestinian plight for several sure. years now, and um, it it just it you know with what happened on October seventh, which is going to be down in history in in Israel as as one of the worst days. Uh, you know, they, they also, they do equate things with American history quite a bit. Um, the assassination of Yitzhak um, Levine, right. um, they view that as their equivalent to our Kennedy, uh, the assassination of John Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of this sense. needs to, none of this. Yeah, it's just awful. It's just awful, and uh, I just I think I just don't think Biden's approach on this helped um, 
you know, he obviously means well, but I think he's real. Holy crap, you know, and, and Bibi, Bibi Netanyahu is not credible. Nothing that comes out of his flat trap is credible. And no. it's, a, you know, talking about optics, very bad optics with Hakeem Jeffries going over there, visiting with a, a group of representatives right on the heels of Netanyahu trashing the judicial system. You know, the judiciary. And he dipped Tony Blinken too, uh, Netanyahu, when he went over there after Biden did, you know, to talk about, you know, ceasefire, kind of like toning things down a little bit. And Netanyahu basically just blew him off. And if I was Biden, I would have, I would, I would have been back on the horn of Netanyahu. It's like, you know, what the fuck are you doing? You know. Well, that's the thing. I we think, have never I, used I our, real- to the best of my knowledge, we have never used our actual power. To say, listen, we can turn the money spigot off. Exactly. The goose that lays these golden eggs can go away. And if we had done that after 1967 and said everybody retreat to the original 1948 borders, none of this would maybe be happening. I don't know. Maybe it would anyway. Well, wasn't it true? I mean, I know we got to get going here, and it's been a great conversation, but wasn't it true that that the United States originally was against the formation of Israel in that region? That it, this was a really uh, Great Britain pushed it. Well, yeah, this all this all arises out of the Bal- out of two things: the Balfour Declaration and the partition of the Middle East in the in in, in the aftermath of the World War One of World War One and taking all the uh, old Ottoman holdings away from Turkey. And I, and I feel like that was a rare occasion <laughs> when the United States had some foresight and was like kind of saw it coming. Yeah, this is um, yeah, this is this is Sykes Picot. That's the Sykes Picot Treaty, where France and Britain made a separate piece of how they would deal with the Middle East, and then they mocked uh, uh, Lloyd George and Clemenceau mocked uh, Woodrow Wilson because Woodrow Wilson had his issues, racist as fuck. But Woodrow Wilson had a 12-point plan for the the post-war peace. And Clemenceau joked to Lloyd George that Woodrow Wilson has 14 points. God himself only had 10. (laughs) That's funny, and and so much so much crap yeah. flows out of this because it it you know the League of Nations is born out of the ashes of the First World War, and Woodrow Wilson has mm-hmm. a stroke trying to convince the American people to convince the Senate of the United States to ratify it. But back then, Henry Cabot Lodge was today's Tommy Tuberville. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Goodbye, League of Nations. Just remember. Yeah. Just remember and then, of course, the yeah, then the United States climbed on board and has been an ardent supporter of Israel ever since. But uh, what's that, Jeremy? What? What, what? What were you going to say, remember, Jeremy? Just remember, in the run-up to World War II, our involvement, late thirties, early forties, we turned around many, many ships full of Jews fleeing Eastern Europe. 
We yes. knew what was going on. We weren't blind to it, but we played it down. We were a direct cause to millions of people dying. We're no better and, than and, and, and there were and out. and our captains of industry were perfectly happy with with the Nazi war regime. <laughs> yes. and, and it's not like if it's not like Hitler wrote a book about what he was going to do or anything. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, Jesus, no. Well, you might find this interesting. And uh, we founded the tunnels. Uh, <laughs> Brother Deacon, Brother Deacon Asa just sent this along uh, from Ground News. A court, uh, uh, Israel not successful in bid to minimize Gaza civilian casualties. Netanyahu says. Because now, the, and again, we've remarked before, it is a lot easier to criticize Israel within Israel than for anybody in the United States to do so. Because if you, if you so much as bring Bibi Netanyahu a cold cup of coffee, you will be an anti-Semite. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, Bibi is in deep shit. He, he may have thought that this was going to get him out of the deep shit that he was in. But he may wind up in deeper shit than than ever because there are pissed off Israelis who are saying, you had a hand in this. You helped create this. You made the circumstances ripe for this. And and, and Israel just barrels along under this this horrific right-wing fundamentalist religious extremist government, uh, heedless of the consequences. They're going to get rid of Hamas. But I wonder if anybody's told them that their track record is that any, every time they get rid of somebody they don't like, they get something worse in the aftermath. And don't forget that the yeah. citizens of Israel were very much opposed to Netanyahu before October 7th. Yes. There Absolutely. were tens of thousands of people in the streets objecting to him, taking hundreds over the judicial thousands. system, hundreds of thousands, yeah. whatever it was. <clears throat> and Bibi Netanyahu is toast in Israel. And the whole goddamn thing is on his shoulders. Well, sound familiar? It's like George Bush's foray into Iraq. He killed my dad. There's a lot of parallels to this. And I was just thinking about that, Steve, and I was thinking about that Netanyahu was maybe clearing some brush over there on the W farm while this plot was happening, Hamas plot, plot was happening before October 7th. It has that kind of ring of uh, Peshaw, right? You know, and for the folks like- that have been bashing Biden here tonight, remember Biden went over and said, do not overreact the way we did in Iraq. Yes. yes. Okay? Now, a lot mm-hmm. of this bad mouthing on Biden that's going on around here <clears throat> is the mainstream media, which we know we can't trust, spewing bullshit. It's the same way these goddamn polls. I mean, they look down the Republican rolls and say, oh, we'll, we'll call them and get who's going to vote for the next president. And they call registered Republicans, and Biden still gets 25, 30 percent. And one yeah, last thing I would like to mention, and by the way, Steve. Uh, Hello, Robin. That's a great How, How's the pupper? Doing good, doing good. And before you go, in the spirit of Scott, I'd like to make a movie recommendation, if you don't mind. Please do. It's called Childhood 2.0. It's a documentary about Generation Z, why we're at where we're at, and how this media overload has just skewed their view on political world forms. 
I'll be darned. Who knew there was a documentary out there? You know, you mentioned documentaries. It was made in 2020, but it was very prophetic because it speaks. It helps you put the puzzle together. How did we get here with this generation? Yeah. Now I'm starting to sound like Grandpa Simpson. Get off my lawn. Yeah, Yeah, we wore onions on our belts, (laughs) as was the fashion of the time. <laughs> but it's on YouTube and Freebie. So well, it's it's inter- you, you you mentioned uh, you mentioned a, a a documentary there. I was <laughs> I was absolutely gobsmacked toward the end of Morning Joe today when Jehoshaphat, hi Todd, when Jehoshaphat actually sat there like most of the other guys were gone. Mika was off the set, but. Joe sat there and managed not to blush or look sheepish or anything while they were pitching a documentary that's going to run on Sunday night on MSNBC. This is an unpaid product placement called Periodical. And it is a documentary about destigmatizing menstruation. And Joe just sat there and said, Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm. And I was like, look at him. He's growing and learning. So nice. <laughs> and he didn't even have to he didn't even have he didn't even have to have Mika there to hold his hand. It was just <laughs> But one last one last thing and then 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 I wrap up. I'm so glad you could make it in, Steve. I really am. It's nice to see you. Um, it's good to see everybody as well. Thanks, Robin. Um, I, I, I want to come back to this because my little paranoid brain won't let me let it go. Because I keep asking Kui Bono, Kui Bono, Kui Bono, Kui Bono about the whole conflict in, in the Levant. And, the, and, and every time I ask that question, I see the smiling, no, not the, the non-smiling face of Big Bad Vladdy Daddy. He benefits from everything that is taking place. A democratic yes. party that has been that has been whose unity has been uh, negatively Fractured. impacted. Yeah, schism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he 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 benefits from chaos in government. He benefits from uh, uh, saber rattling that runs up oil prices on the on the on the futures market. It opens him to a big drop, though. Yes, but it opens him to a better, a a closer relationship with the mullahs in Iran. I mean, he's a big winner. Is 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 he not? Fingerprints are all over that. Yeah, yeah. His fingerprints are all over that. There's got to be a link. Yeah. Like Nancy said, to Trump. And I think it goes back to Putin. Roger raises a great point. I will say, though, that when he went over there, Biden, he could have, look, this is the same president who got us out of Afghanistan. And the outcry and the criticism of what he did was just, it was massive. He's got the guts to do this, but he has some kind of block 
when it comes to Israel, because he could have gone over there, said what, what Roger pointed out that he said, but he also could have said, and look, we're putting some teeth into this and we're, we're putting, we're going to help you out, but there's going to be strings attached. But there are, there aren't strings attached. Wait, hang on just a second. Congress has been in an absolute standstill ever since this shit started, and not a single dime has been appropriated. We have not given Israel any money at this point because the House has been absolutely AOL. Frozen, yeah. True. And, and Darlene, oh, I, I think lurking behind all this stuff. Money. You've got the ADL, which I think is a huge supporter of, you know, um, against anti-Semitism. Yeah, APAC. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. And and they're the ones that are kind of like throwing money at candidates running against progressives, running against people that are pro-Palestinian, not pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian. And maybe Joe is afraid of them. Of of reaping their ire because it could impact his reelection chances. That's what I'm thinking. He's there's a there's a calculation there. I think if the truth truth was being put out and not people getting on soapboxes spewing their hatred for either Israel or the Palestinians. Things would be a whole lot different. One can be pro-Palestinian and pro-Israeli right now. Hamas, which does not represent the Palestinians, maybe in 2006 they did, but that was the last election. There are as many Palestinians absolutely opposed to Hamas as there are Israelis opposed to Hamas. And Netanyahu. I am very pro the Israeli citizen. As a matter of fact, two of my best friends from elementary school have grandchildren who are now in the reserves. And one of the ones in the reserve is married to a Palestinian. So the, the, the paintbrush is just being too broad on a whole lot of this stuff. And to condemn Joe Biden when he hasn't given a dime to the the Israelis and he has been protect, trying to protect the Palestinians, Bibi Netanyahu is the one that's really screwing this shit up. So don't blame Biden. But Roger, Roger, do you honestly, and I, you know, do you think if he had the money to give Netanyahu, do you think he would have, have, he would have done that. He well, he asked for the money. I mean, Roger, don't forget. He asked for the money in one big package. He asked for money for uh, Taiwan and Ukraine and Israel. And the border. All in one big package. And the border, yes. All four. And got none of it. And got none of it. So, I mean... But he, but he all, got, all but I'm all asking for here, folks, all really I'm asking for 
is to stand back and look at the whole picture. Um, I'm pro-Israel. I am pro-Palestine. I'm anti-Hezbollah. I'm anti-Hamas. I'm anti-Putin. I'm anti-Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox Jews. The Orthodox Jews are a big part of the problem. Yes. Massive. They started, I mean, well, this started 6,000 years ago. You could start there if you want. But, (laughs) I mean, the Southerners have been a huge part of this problem, you know, uh, leading up to October 7th. The ultra-Orthodox Jews get to vote in the elections, but they do not serve in the military. Yeah, we we hear about universal service, but it is entirely uh, voluntary to the orthodox, the ultra-orthodox, you know, whatever. Right, and I don't think anybody meant to, I didn't imply that I was pro one over the other. I want to see them all living in peace and uh, uh, being able to self-actualize, whether they're Palestinian or Israeli, you know, Jews and Arabs, peace, they're in many regions of the world, including in this country. So it is you agree, and there Roger, are many of them. think it gets to a point where there, it, it's going to boil down to the, Isra- the Israeli people themselves, which they've been unable to seat this guy. And there are many Palestinians and Jewish people living next door to each other in Israel and getting along just fine. Mm-hmm. But you they don't want see none that. of this nonsense. Yeah, they you don't want none see of that on the, on the evening news. No, you don't. Hey, listen, y'all, i got to get out of here because the iPad will be dead in another couple of minutes. Poor All right, thank you. Oh, Bye, th- y'all. Thank you, Darlene. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye, Darlene. Everybody. Bye-bye. Uh, but I did want to take a minute to send out some profound thanks to Mary. Mary, thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot thank you enough. Check it out, y'all. We are fully funded for last Monday and 50 bucks funded for this past Tuesday. That is nothing short of amazing. Thank you, Mary. Mary, did I have a show on me? Thank you so very much. That helps. Well, that means I get to sit here after the show and pay a bill. Yay. So thank you one and all. Uh, great conversation this evening, everybody. Uh, sometimes we start out a little bit slow. And then things ramp up, and, well, if this battery wasn't going to die, I'd be here for another 25 minutes, but i got to get the pro- program uploaded. Uh, thank you again. Thank you to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thank you ever so much. Thank you to our a la carte contributors. Thanks for the challenges. Ralph's and our anonymous friend and everybody who jumped in and Mary there at the, at the end to take a lot of the pressure off. Thank you so much. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thank you to our all-volunteer staff. Thanks to Roger. And uh, thank you, Steve. Steve popped by, and Steve's part of the uh, Brother Bishop Steve of Georgia Stan, all-around great guy, is part of the all-volunteer staff. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Oh, that baby kale from Costco just looks wonderful. Brother Deacon Asa sends me food porn. And speaking of food porn, uh, 
I we had I I am in the process of making a creamy asparagus bisque, and I'm so excited about it. Um, the tough ends of some asparagus we did has been simmering all day long. It's finally soft. I'm going to run it through the Foley food mill. I, Roger knows what one of those is, and uh, uh, it's it's going to oh it's going to be so good, so so good. Um, I'm excited. Made some uh, made some chicken salad earlier today to get us through the weekend, and uh, I, I must be I must be I must be. I, once again, Annette tells me it's the best I've ever made. I don't know what's happening here. Uh, but uh, when the program's over and I get the upload done, I'm going to go in there and work on uh, work on my asparagus bisque. Yum. Uh, thank you uh, again, Brother Deacon Asa. I enjoy our I enjoy our food uh, our food porn. Uh, well, I'm sorry you don't have a golden corral, Brother Deacon Asa. It's still that that still can't be that's that place is a trough. What are you talking about? That's what Rick Smith calls him. It's a trough. And the fact that I don't have a Costco does not even compare with the t- with. There is a Golden Corral in Beckley, but uh, trade ya. Anyway, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, please like and subscribe. Subscribe to a couple of platforms. That way, when one goes down, you'll still be notified if the other one gets the uh, gets the podcast right. Leave a comment for the algorithms. It is making a difference. More people are finding the program and engaging and, and uh, engaging in whatever manner they cho- so choose in this little progressive conversation. It's wonderful. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Billions and billions and hours of hours of progressive media served. Thanks to the hardest-working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice, at a proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your vaccines, all three of them. Wear your mask when you're around maggots or any group of people above more than five or so, especially if you're around maggots. Wash your hands, don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer, carry it with you, pocket or purse. I have some Minnie Mouse hand sanitizer in my purse now. Yay. I'm looking for Tinkerbell. Um... Maintain your social distance. And uh, if <laughs> uh, George Anthony DeVolder Spiro T. Agnew Santos comes towards you saying, I've had the week from hell. Well, avoid him like the plague because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Have a great weekend, everybody. Later.